Good day in a glargue, and what the hell is this? It's Backlash 2001. On the SmackDown crawl over on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast, myself and Kevin are finally reviewing that mysterious dark-sided period between the end of the Attitude Era and the start of the invasion. While we are a few weeks deep into the two-man power trip era on Patreon, we know this is a pay-per-view that tons of people have requested we cover, so we decided we'd review it where everyone can hear it right here on the pod. And while this period of time might be weird and dark-sided as fuck, it is always a blast to chat about and has resulted in some superb fun over on the SmackDown crawl. If you become a $5 backer, you get instant access to nearly 90 episodes of the crawl, along with a whole fuck ton of book reports and video episodes, totaling almost 200 hours of content. You can get all of it right now by being a $5 backer on patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. And if you want to see a little more of your old pal Adam, you can catch me streaming over on twitch.tv forward slash Adam Bibolo, where we do a variety of things. Maybe you'll catch me watching catchphrase while I make a little hat for my cane toy. Perhaps I'll be playing Mario Kart with some pals, or I might even be reading Journey into Darkness to some squirrels in the park. Whatever we're up to though, it's always a laugh, so come and join us at twitch.tv forward slash Adam Bibolo. That's A-D-A-M-B-I-B-I-L-O, baby. But for now, put on a brave face, because Attitude Era never coming back, lol. It's Backlash 2001! Hello everyone and welcome to the Attitude Podcast. Bono Smackdown Crawl Continuation. You're finally doing Backlash 2001 Special Edition. Oh, once again, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Crawling through all of Smackdown over on Patreon, which has led us to this most serendipitous of events. And I'm joined, as I am always, by Mr. Adam Bibolo. Hello. Adam, what are we doing and why are we here? We're finally, finally filling in the gap. There was a big gap between us, a little gap between season one and season three. Backlash, Judgment Day. We never saw what happened there. Two Man Power, what? what? What's this all about? Kane and the Under Who? When we, we started season three with King of the Ring 2001, it was a wacky, wacky time mm-hmm. because somehow they managed to, they massacred my boy. Like, yeah. What did they do? You, your boy being Triple H's quad, obviously, <laughs> like, got absolutely massacred. And despite all their skills, they were able to save young Triple H in 2001. But like, compare and contrast June 2001 with April 2001, mm. I've never seen a company that has went from being like, all time, you're on the right track, and also, let's take a moment to stop and smell the roses. We're great, wrestling's great, and yep. we've done the best pay-per-view ever in terms of WrestleMania 17. And then take us to 2001, where it's like, wait, what are we doing? Because I've never seen a pay-per-view more palpably, what are we doing, than King of the Ring 2001. Yeah. It's not like it's been a sudden dramatic change. We've been seeing it week by week over on SmackDown Crawl. Like, the, the, the gradual shift, the big sudden change was Austin turning heel. But the product as a whole is very slowly morphing, like, gradually. But the one thing we can agree on, I think, is that it is getting more and more dark-sided and more and more bleak. I think there is a lot of things to address with regards to the post-WrestleMania 17 buzz. I Mm. think with WrestleMania 17 and any show of that nature, there's always going to be a little bit of a cool-down, catch-your-breath look, we have to change things up. You can't just keep riding high on crazy momentum all the time. That being said, when you end a pay-per-view with a heel turn and a monumental one that is like, you know, still eye-popping to think about, Steve Austin turning baddie and joining up with with Vince McMahon or whatnot. When you have that happen, 
there's going to be an additional change in regards to that as well. And if there's one big upsetting disappointment here is that come King of the Ring and come the invasion over the summer, one of my favourite things in season three was Stone Cold the Heel. The oh, sort of, <laughs> Who beat your ass on Thursday? I love presents. That guy was the fucking highlight of the show. <laughs> that guy was the life of the party. <laughs> Literally. And now you look at May 2001. Austin, he's freshly turned a heel. Oh, oh, I think we should maybe try and take out Kane's arm. If we can give him a little bit of a disadvantage, discombobulate him before the pay-per-view. So, as of recording, we've done crazy 88 number of episodes of SmackDown Crawl. That's right. And we had reached the point where we got to WrestleMania 17. We've reviewed all the SmackDown. Every single one of those episodes is like an hour to two hours long. Yep. We always have a rate good time reviewing yep. SmackDown over on the Patreon. Even on its worst days, it's a really fun time. Because like. it's like 80 to 90 minutes tops, usually. Mm-hmm. It's a nice digestible show. And even at its worst in 2000 and 2001, it is still a fast-paced show. Yeah. What are some of the things that we've seen on SmackDown then with this heel Steve Austin character? But you're saying that the product is kind of darker as a whole if folks aren't following us week to week over on the patreon what are some of the kind of notable changes in your mind i mean we had jr getting completely fucking murdered on smackdown we oh, talked baby. about it in season three but seeing it in the context because you have it happen that week where austin opens him up and jr gets absolutely fucking murdered but then the next week as well jr's backstage all bruised with stitches and he's like just sort of quietly stood in the locker room like deborah i just want you to know no hard feelings with you. I get that you're husband. And then Steve walks in and just like fucking stands over him, like staring him down. Proper bully kind of material. It's really that, upsetting. You mentioned Deborah. You mentioned bully as well. Like the, the interactions between Steve Austin and Deborah on screen Ooh. in April and May. Like, I'm dreaming of the day where Bam Sheenon Factor, as Austin oh. said before 17, but she's a factor here. But even if you were somehow able to peel back just the fucking toxic shit that Steve Austin in real life perpetrated on Deborah McMichael mm. and all of the fucking, like, I did an episode on it for how to revisit it back in the day where I looked into, like, what's all, all the fucking shit that went down? And it's fucking awful, nasty bollocks. Even if you could somehow sidestep that, as most of us as wrestling fans, when we see Steve Austin on screen with Deborah try to do. Even if you got rid of all that, it is fucking awkward in its own right. Oh, it's horrible. Like. There's fucking getting the truck, yeah. like, fucking screaming at her, looming over yeah, her. Yeah, it's, it's not nice. Real life stuff or, or not, like, it's not fun television. No. It's, it reminds me of stuff like Lita getting kidnapped by Kane or whatever. It's like, I don't want to see this really distressing dynamic on TV every week. And like. you mentioned Lita as well. Another, another thing is, like, you yep. know, you're, you're, on the playground, your favourite wrestler is getting fucked up in 2001. Yeah. And here's an interesting interesting thing in this period i think the vast majority of our fans who have been in touch with us who were watching around this time stopped watching around this time for generally the same reasons and mm-hmm. it's like oh austin's heel and all that but i don't think it can be understated the importance of stuff like seeing the hardy boys and Lita get brutalized like seeing Lita get smashed with a chair and it really is violent as yeah. well like, it's not like they got a couple of stunners and a chair shot it is like a long protracted assault it's horrid and i kind of i maybe don't give my 13 year old wrestle pals enough credit where they maybe thought 
you know what, I'm going to check out of this show because it's not that yeah. much fun. And I believe, you know, that was when I realized that you can be a wrestling fan and be a glutton for punishment, particularly if you like that World Wrestling Federation yeah. style of, of wrestling. So we had one week it was JR getting murdered. We had the Hardy Boys and Lita getting murdered the week after. Then and again. Then, and then a couple of weeks later, what do we get? with fucking Kane with the steel chair on the arm. <laughs> That was like, I, I'm amazed I made it to the invasion as a kid. Like, I thought I'd be checking out there. That was so upsetting. So like, you were still watching at this point. I lasted up until the winner-take-all at Survivor Series. Fucking hell, That's, you're a brave boy. I, I wasn't enjoying the invasion. I think I was, like, enjoying bits of it, but my investment was, like, waning. And then after the winner-take-all, I was like, okay, that's done now. I guess that's a good place as any to stop watching. Being like, a wrestling fan post-WrestleMania 17 2001, and you thought you were secretive before about your phantom <laughs> you gotta go underground now son so i think it's worth kind of bearing this in mind you know when we're coming into this pay-per-view i think a lot of hyperbole goes around and a lot of people kind of look to house show attendance and they look to kind of all oh, the downturn your know, xfl has went under you know this is kind of like the beginning of the end of vince mcmahon who's in 2022 making more money than he's ever made before <laughs> yeah. and i think people because steve austin is so down on this period as a result, are down on this period as well. Yeah. There's plenty of reasons. You've got nostalgia for thinking it's shit. You've mm -hmm. got like all this business info, if you like graphs and stuff, tell you it is shit. And you got like the biggest icon of the Atchera telling you, let me tell you now, Mo Darwich, I want to tell you a another anecdote about how I didn't enjoy this run. <laughs> like the nicest thing that Steve Austin had to say about this time is that he drank a lot of, on his own and took a lot of pills and wasn't Jeez. feeling it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a dark-sided time. But that being said, we found a lot of joy in this. Well, that's it. That's SmackDown crawl. We're talking purely about the top of the card. That's all we're talking about here. And yes, the main event is the sort of the heart and soul of the product. And that is what you're most invested in. But fuck me, the mid-card and especially the undercard... I think it's the strongest it possibly has ever been. And that's... on you know, fire at the minute. Like, genuinely, the fucking hardcore belt and the European belt, like, actually are quite exciting right now. And if like, you're going, what are you talking... Look at the card and the show the we're about to do. People are really, really down on this pay-per-view. And, like, we'll get into it in a minute when we start going through it. But, I mean, just on paper, this card... Mwah, this is a fucking fabulous collection of wrestlers right here. They have got a very stacked roster. They've got the exact type of roster that you would look at and go, you know what, I probably shouldn't sign another 60 wrestlers yeah. <laughs> in a couple of weeks' time. This is all happening, of course, in the backdrop of ongoing negotiations with various XWCW. Yep. You know, we also have at the same time going on what we talked about at the start of Season 3 with the bankruptcy hearing happening at for a moment for ECW. Yep. The XFL has just gone under. Yeah, <laughs> like... half of the XFL roster are asking for releases from their contracts so no. they can negotiate with the XFL. So as of this air date... The XFL still technically exists. Okay. But the landscape of Titan Sports, to say the least, and professional wrestling as a whole, because, hey, the XFL may be going under, but the XWF is in your face. 
and the WWA are getting all those negotiations oh. and they're putting them in a brown paper bag and giving them to Lenny Kravitz in a hotel room. Fuck me, 2001 is just the best, isn't it? Like, it's well, literally it? the best in year it? in the business. It's like. so great. Like, I, this is the type of bullshit that I love. <laughs> so here we go, folks. There's a lot coming into this and if you joined us for the ride over on Patreon, you'll be well suited to it. Otherwise, it may be a little bit of a shock, but here we go. It's Backlash 2001. He who has the gold has the power. He who has the power has the gold. the power has the gold and he who has the gold has the power no power no gold no pants no service that is what they're telling you here tonight at the start of backlash this is like such an fmv game the the so video is in like a little box surrounded by black it's all on-screen text with the occasional bit of voiceover this is the like... dlc for the triple a game you got on your xbox Aww, 360 isn't it like i was expecting proper their... low energy yeah right? i was expecting it to pretend to be a comic and go between the panels or something <laughs> at one point here and in the end someone will have the gold the gold this could have been used for literally any pay-per-view ever it's all about the gold i think they're saving the kind of austin is horrible and wrestling is ruined pay-per-view package for later on in the night yeah i mean that should be the headline really going in because like I said before, what I love about season three was funny, paranoid Steve Austin. But at this point, what they're trying to push isn't funny or paranoid. This is just, this guy is nasty. He's really fucking horrible. That's that's the gimmick now. Steve Austin is a horrible, horrible man. And as a result, he has joined forces with horrible, horrible Vince McMahon, as we saw at WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. And also, the Raw after WrestleMania, he's joined forces with horrible, horrible, horrible. Or Triple H, as he's also yeah. now in the business of professional wrestling. The biggest thing that's pissed me off on SmackDown is... Like, something that's gone which is backstage antics with triple h and stephanie mcmahon helmsley and let me tell you folks there's nothing that gets me happy about a wrestling show more than a young stephanie mcmahon just going what the hell is this about literally anything anything but this stone cold steve austin this heel character works in mysterious ways adam because he's made triple h and stephanie all quiet as well that's it he's brought their energy down to his level so now and it's not like we're not seeing triple h and steph Last SmackDown we saw, we got like fucking 15 backstage segments with Austin, Steph, and Triple H. And each one of them, the decibels was down at the very bottom of the green meter. It was proper like, well, you know, I tell you what, those Hardy Boys... Yeah, they sure had it coming, didn't they? Yeah, we showed them a thing. Yeah, they're too. bringing real first episode of a podcast energy to this. Very, this? very much so. The only like... thing they, there's a girl in the room, so maybe that they should have raised the voices <laughs> a little bit. Like, you know, I would have expected. Self-conscious. <laughs> <like. laughs> 
So, yeah, SmackDown, of course, is is uh, is different after WrestleMania for many reasons, and uh, it's been different since No Way Out for another reason, and that is the absence of Jerry the King Lawler. Yep. Taz being our main man on commentary. Oh. I just bring this up because I look at Backlash 2001, and we had a lot of comments on Patreon about this, and I agree, it is the greatest set of all time. Oh, of totally. Any- any wrestling company yep. and the simple reason is because they've sent hooks there are <laughs> several of these it's Jeff Hardy's facial hair has been turned into a set and I yep. fucking love it Adam you know okay you, know, you just mentioned the commentators there I'm yeah. going to get this right out of the way now because I'm a little scared about how this is going to go down the last couple of weeks we've enjoyed Taz and Michael Cole well we've enjoyed Taz so much this last couple of he's weeks he's great he's so good him and Cole man and what I love about it is that Cole's not necessarily great in 2001 but Taz is bringing something out of him and yeah. Cole is bringing something out of Taz yes and while JR and Paul Heyman is still my favourite commentary team you of told all time, the man to his face I said to his face my favourite team and I still stand by that I think and because- he gave us the little like yeah, that is the best one, little nod, didn't he? Yeah, it's a great show. We, we, we provide the lyrics to the music, man. But even with all that said, I think because I'm viewing this as a SmackDown crawl endeavor, yeah, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get any Taz here tonight. I was, really? I was, I was kind of waiting for my fix of Taz on commentary tonight. And how did you get on with Happy Heyman and Jim Ross? Good. It was good. But just it feels so sedate, and that's weird saying that about it is Paul Heyman. Heyman but yeah. If compared to the energy Taz has been bringing, where literally any time a firework goes off, no, whoa, whoa, heads up, up. <laughs> whoa, a finisher. <laughs> <laughs> he loves everything Ow. so much. He does, and I think like that's something that you're know, going back. You take that energy for granted when you're watching a wrestling show. I think we feel about Taz now the way a lot of folks who grumble about SmackDown will feel about Pat McAfee in like three or four years time. Enjoy it while you can, folks. Smell the roses Mm -hmm. and give Pat McAfee his flowers, yeah? (laughs) (laughs) They've got a sold-out crowd. They're in Chicago. We are told it's the 18th straight sellout in Chicago. That is nuts, That is absolutely nuts. And, you know, Chicago is, you know, a great wrestling crowd. And this crowd here tonight is fucking electric. That being said, if you thought that because you're hot, you can give a show and the crowd will lap it up 100 million percent and give you back everything in spades, Hmm. the crowd does not cooperate for every single nook and cranny of this. No, they test this crowd. Like, you've got a very hot Chicago crowd here, but they are being given things that I'm like, I would struggle to see any crowd go ballistic about some of these matches. Yeah, I think they are... They're in this weird space where they are building people. Mm-hmm. And no more so when they we are. see this first match, which features people that have inexplicably been pushed because the first month or so that a lot of these characters we've seen coming in from ECW, I'm talking about Rhino. Yep. And of course, the man in this next match, we have X-Factor with Just Incredible, X-Pac and Albert taking on Dudley Boys with Spike. Like, a lot of these ECW guys, we thought they'd come in like a house of fire. Oh, Rhino, no. Rhino jobbing out nonstop on yep. SmackDown. And just incredible, a total geek, until last week they decided X-Factor are all of a sudden not geeks and these guys are ready for big spots. I realise, I think it's purely because RTC is broken up. They're like, the heel faction. Uh, <laughs> we need like a collection of like heel mid-carders. X-Factor will do, yeah. These muzzled-up statues aren't ready yet. Oh, they're still in the mail. I need more bodies. <laughs> but yeah. 
yeah, I think that like every ECW signee that we've seen brought in, with the exception of the Dudley Boys, who you could argue still got off to a ropey start, all the singles ECW guys that have been brought in have been having really fucking rough goes of it. Like, I don't know. I, maybe I just get paranoid with Bubba Ray Dudley, but like, you know, you thought he stormed out to the ring passive aggressively when Stacey Keebler was in their corner. Oh. Wait till you see him come out with Spike Dudley. He was oh. fucking 10 feet ahead of him. Oh, man. And they weren't, like, kind of playing it up with, like, kind of, oh, you know, the fighting Dudleys or no, brothers no. who get on. No, he just fucking, like, gave no. him the cold shoulder. They're meant to be a unit, and, like, they couldn't give a toss. I completely overlooked this as a kid, because as a kid I was like, yeah, the three Dudley boys, Yay. and they're all on the same page, and they and look, love each other. there's a little brother! Yay. Yeah! No, I am that little brother, and this is actually how it felt like sometimes. <laughs> like, wait for me! Fucking hell! Yeah, Bubba Ray Dudley's got a big unplug the N64 controller, because you beat him at WrestleMania 2000 energy. JR has got Paul Heyman in his ear, because he's going with all the Heyman nomenclature tonight. Mm. This is like a Dudleyville City Council meeting. All three of these men, the progeny of Big Daddy Dudley. Like, this is Heyman chat, right? He's world building. Yeah. And my favorite one we get later on as well is Big Daddy Dudley's DNA is all over this ring. <laughs> That's fucking disgusting. Bring Gordon Ramsay in with a dark light. Look at this! Look at that's Big Daddy Dudley's DNA! I mean, the Hotel Hell in Dudleyville was the best episode. <laughs> Come on. There's broken amazing. tables everywhere. <laughs> I've got wood now, big boy. <laughs> I love X Factor coming out with their music edited off. By the way, whatever the copyright arrangement of Uncle Cracker... Oh, can we fucking figure this out? Because as, as questionable as it was in 2001, when a young Uncle Cracker turned on an episode of Smackdown and basically said to his hey! manager, what the fuck is going on? A meme of Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the TV. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's my copyrighted material. <laughs> Yet we've heard it now and then on SmackDown Crawl. On the Crawl, there has been multiple times where you either get the I got everything I, or sometimes you get the headache. And uh, the closest I've come to getting an answer, I've looked high and low. Someone theorized, and it's not even backed up by anything, this is just someone guessing, that there has been times in the past where certain things were uploaded to WWF On Demand, or WWE On Demand, pre-network. Oh. And they had different licenses On the old 24, back then. 24 7 yes. deal that they had, yeah. And then when everything got shipped over to the network, certain things were like now re-licensed, but they weren't going to go back and re-edit every single instance of it being right. edited out. Which is just a suspicion someone had. But I haven't a fucking clue, because it is a week-by-week -week basis whether Uncle Cracker's there or not. That's the thing, because like, there was the other theory as well that I had heard, is that people simply didn't care enough and as a result there's also that the work is sloppy yeah. so it's not edited well, that's properly it, because they uploaded it all to the network and they were like is that everything yeah i got everything i ever wanted and i'll, I'll never give that back Here, right. here's a question for you adam how long after this match were x factor told to stop doing x's and they came out like they're oh, in dx this just, ain't your thing mate. just incredible no we can do it man like because like they, they don't, they're not around anymore they do their x's down here we do ours up here it's totally different road like. dog i'm pretty sure he's been shown the door at this point yeah i think he's gone and uh, really grim on his local news, he was interviewed after they did their SmackDown report, and he was like, yeah, I'm getting divorced, and it's all my fault. Oh, oh God. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, they fired me. Uh, you know, I had drug problems, and uh, we'll see what the future holds. Oh, he's WWA bound as the man. But... Oh, maybe he and Brother Billy can get a couple of bikes and go out into the desert, like, oh, help Jesus. him process that uh, divorce. I mean, maybe, like, either that or he'll make a, a U-turn, head down to the Alamo, and fucking sort out Michael Hickenbottom's hash once and for Jesus all. Christ. He'll be WWE champion before you know it though won't he it's just like isn't it weird though these names who kind of like dropped off mm. and like 
you know, it just it says a lot about how popular wrestling was. Like I found this out just from reading the Observer. It's just like these names, like you forget what a big deal Road Dog was. Oh yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Num- like, number no- three merch seller in the yeah. Attitude Era, ninety eight you know? to two thousand. He was like a fucking hot commodity for that company. So it's like, yeah, local news would be interviewing him yeah. for some reason, even though it seems maddening to me. Spike Dudley is used as a weapon by his older, balder, bigger brother, Bubba Ray. And I did enjoy this, even though Spike, more so than anyone on the roster, comes with an inch of getting his neck broken, it yeah. feels like. There's a lot of stuff they do with him where it's like... I feel scary. like I feel like it's almost the only way Spike's... He recognises this is the only way he's going to get super-duper over, is by doing fucking horrendously risky stuff. Like He is a standout, though, just because exactly. of what he's willing to do and his moves. Like This is the first time I ever saw a double foot stomp in wrestling. Yes. You know? yes. It probably would have been this match when I watched this as a kid. And the thing is, maybe this he feels the need to get over with the office like this or what have you, but as a child, he didn't need to do any of this shit because I was like, he's a little Dudley and his name's <laughs> Spike? That's what? so funny. It's like the Dudley's version of Crash Holly. It's like he's small, yeah. he's got a silly name, and he looks kind of funny. Like so, that was literally all you needed. Oh, I think it was it was good to go. Like you know, Gen- the Dudley dog was like the icing on the cake. I couldn't have cared less as a child if he was doing all the dangerous shit. Like. Look, I, I know I gave Melster and Alvarez a hard time back in season three when they kept referring to the rock bottom as a Yorimaki. But I will not forgive them for, in their Backlash 2001 coverage, referring to this finisher. Not They've renamed it. It's not the Acid Drop anymore. It's now called the Dudley Dong. Dudley Dong. <laughs> the Dudley Dong. Little Dick Dudley, you know. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> People hate Xbox so much, you would be, you know, not mistaken in thinking that X Factor as a whole has heat. Yeah, but we are starting to see this irrational hatred for Xbox that is coming out where he's like, "Hey everyone, get out of the fucking ring!" Yeah, like, genuinely. Why? It is kind of it is interesting, like you know. I think he's just you stay around long enough in wrestling. We've talked about this before, particularly yeah. with X Factor. I think is where it's like you strip away the DX and it's just like there he is now, Xbox. Mm-hmm. People were just. It touched a nerve, him just being there. Yeah, he's annoying. He is genuinely annoying. Like, his presence does irritate. And I think he is a fabulous wrestler. Yeah. I, mean, I love Sean Waltman. He is great. And he's he's the general in this match. He's putting this shit together, for sure. Yeah, but the character of X-Pac at this point in time, <laughs> he's just fucking annoying. I'm sick of you, mate. Like, why are you in purple? <laughs> why are you in purple? What You're literally just the same X-Pac, but purple now. Even Road Dog, when he decided to get rowdy, that was a bigger shit. And yeah, he, he changed it up. Exactly. He moved something. he moved himself to a different company (laughs) he moved himself out the door I would like more wrestling groups to be named after one wrestler's finisher just so I can convince myself that this is not the biggest issue with this group that they're called X Factor you know maybe called the Bronco Busters team 3D doing the 3D that's true you know of course when Big Show and Kane tags they were among real fans like myself of course called the Final Cut uh, Kane wasn't doing the final cut yeah he wouldn't dare mate like, <laughs> on that bad arm are you kidding me it'd fall <laughs> off do you like the new cool nickname that jr has for the dudley boys no the wizards of the wicked wood 
The Wizards of the Wicked Woods. The Wood. Wizards of the Wicked Woods. Guess to me, Adam, all right? Uh, how many times do you think JR used it in this match? Oh, more than once? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Three? Yes, three, no. baby. The rule of three. You do the terrible new nomenclature three times. Oh, the Wizards <laughs> of the Wicked Woods? It's not good, is That's it? That's really atrocious. Like, I get alliteration. I do. I really do. But it's not the be-all and end-all, you, you know? You see, Connie, back then, everyone was talking about www.this and that. <laughs> well, hell, I thought it was fun, huh? Wizards Give me of a the, break. Wizardsofthewickedwood.dudleys.com <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you who is, is shining this match, though. They, everyone does work to make the big man look 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 impressive. The Moyle of Misery, oh, Albert yeah. here. He was, we mentioned in Season 3 got set up for a big push yeah, and then realised that he was like back of the line all of a sudden because there was a million WCW lads. I think he never recovered from this. No, it's sad. Both him and Test, this summer you'd be fooled into thinking like, okay, something coming for you. Maybe by the winter we can see you. No, never mind. Forget it's strange, it. isn't it? Because yeah. like, you see like TNA and Trish when we watch them on SmackDown, you kind of feel all three of these will go on to do individually great things. Yes. You know, like they're just kind of in a holding pattern. Mm-hmm. How they couldn't make it work with the big ball man who could do really fucking athletic moves when he wanted to. I mean, the closest I can compare him to is someone like a Bam Bam Bigelow in that he has yeah. that kind yeah. of explosiveness. He doesn't have maybe the over-the-top look or maybe the the the... The athleticism that we kind of understand of, you know, going off the top rope and all mm. that. But he's a big fucking dude. And I felt like you could have done a program between Albert and Spike Dudley. And both men will come out smelling the roses at the end of it. I mean, he will end up in a match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania eventually. We, you know, A-Train is going <sighs> to... He's going to pull into the station. Fucking and... second-hand gimmick. It's yeah. Ridiculous. It's... Used gimmick. Diva Dudley doesn't need this anymore. You can be A-Train. Fucking shit. Devon Dudley makes a hot bar to Butag Ray Dudley. Come on. Butag. <laughs> Butag. We get the was up. We get a table spot tease, but not yet because Bubba Ray Dudley gets worked over by the Moil of Misery. And then in 12 minutes... I think something went wrong. Bubba goes in oh. the corner. Yeah, is this the little uh, grunt of the night that we have here, Kevin? This is a cause of concern of the night more than anything, yeah. Oh, the little, ah, when he ah! goes into the corner. <laughs> ah! Bubba made a mistake there. Ah! Oh, my God. Look at the ah! <laughs> That's a little grunt appetizer right there. Just a, ah! a little thing to wet the whistle. Like. And the indignity. You want to get heat, brother? Fucking lose, sir. The X marks the spot. X marks the spot. Clean. The double super kick. X factor. Clean as a whistle, baby. In the middle. Clean over all three Dudley boys. Can't believe it. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, I tell you what I wasn't shocked by is the Dudley boys getting back up and then putting them through a table yeah. afterwards. Okay, that's more like it. Yeah, the the yeah. negotiation table. We all, we all got around. We all got what we wanted in the end, didn't we? Like, <laughs> crazy. Absolutely crazy finish to this one. And again, like, I think X Factor, three wrestlers who I would say you could stack them up. Like, honestly, just incredible. I know I've struggled to, you know, as somebody who watched him at ECW back in the day and thought, wow, he's a particularly cool jean short wearing badass. Hmm. You know, you've never been able to see him in the way I see him. But I think we can say X Factor, three very good wrestlers in their own right. Absolutely. And I think they'll be back on the dark match by Judgment Day. Yeah, absolutely. This is subtraction by addition, putting these men together. For some reason, it just absolutely stinks. I think it's X Park. Honestly, I think you put someone with X Park right now and it's it's just going to hold them back. That he is... 
such a fucking... And when I say heat magnet, I mean the wrong kind of heat. Like, people don't want this in the slightest. Like, for a cooking analogy, when someone's like, get your pan nice and hot, you know, but then you see, like, you've burnt the oil, like, you're going to scald what anything goes on yeah. here. It's too hot. Like, Xbox comes at one point and just does a muscle pose and nearly causes a riot. People are leaving. Yeah, like. it's like, this is, something's wrong here. Xbox yeah. shouldn't do that for showing us his guns, you yeah. know? So, yeah, a confusing end to this one. But again surprisingly like competent meat and potatoes booking you've got Dudley boys who I guess are hot because they come out of TLC yep. Spike is there so you got the intrigue with that so yeah maybe make some hay with X Factor but we burn all that hay when we get WCW so what's the point I mean you could argue they're burning that hay right now because it's like oh X Factor went over maybe they're going no okay 3D they... through <laughs> the table <laughs> yeah, never the mind the wizards of the wicked wood fucked up the shit X-Pac it doesn't matter who wins Paul it matters who's standing tall yeah, and of course, uh, Just Incredible eats a Dudley Dong at the end of this one as oh, well. Oh, Just spitting in the face of X Factor Taz. <laughs> a vicious Dudley Dong. <laughs> Sorry, I could get over it. I wrote down, truly they are the wizards. Stop <laughs> it, Kevin. <laughs> Let's leave this with backlash and never talk about it is again. Is Oz the wizard of the wicked wood? Because he does, like, Joe has conformed me that he is a wizard. He is a wizard, but he's not really wicked, Oz. He's more of a fraud. Yeah, that's true. The, the, it's the wicked witch, but she's not really in a wood, is she? No. Please, can we just, like, what's the next segment? Come on. The Duchess is here! Yeah. Not the Duchess of Dudleyville, the Duchess of Queen. Queensberry. Here she is. For our Duchess of Queensbury Rules match. Now, let me tell you something. The great thing about SmackDown Crawl for me has been these little backstage segments. And mm. there's so many of them that I adored as a kid. Like Mick Foley being the commissioner. The little backstage zone. You've talked about world building in wrestling. And I think it's like honestly something that if you want to see the big difference between old wrestling shows from the actual era and now, it's that sense of space. And let me tell you... Commissioner Regal in his office. Oh, yeah. Put a camera in there. Give me fucking 10 seconds or give me 10 minutes. I'm always engaged and I always love it because this man, William Regal, good Lord Almighty, he knows how to make this Commissioner gimmick work. Yeah, he's been one of the absolute joys of early 2001 so far. And I feel like he's going to be doing, he's going to be bringing us a lot of much needed smiles in the next couple we got months. Tajiri coming up on the crawl, exactly, folks. I'm yeah. an excited boy. Yeah. <laughs> We're in a good place when it comes to William Regal. And here he is with the Duchess, who is played by Hall of Famer Sue Aitchison, would you believe? Yeah, I found this out when I did How To Regal with uh, Regal's buddy Matt Ricardo, mm. the the amazing, fantastic Matt Ricardo, who revealed that Sue here, far from being a Duchess, was actually deeply involved with the Make-A-Wish program that yes. WWE has done. Whatever you think about WWE, you know... It's, it's easy to see that Make-A-Wish was a big part of the company and trying to help out little kids who had you know, devastating illnesses and whatnot. They were trying to help that long before Stephanie McMahon was out there on podcasts yes. talking about philanthropy being the future of business. Like, they did it because, you know, I'm not saying because it was the right thing to do, because they knew that it was an important thing for wrestlers to be able to... I think it's important for the wrestlers, it's mm -hmm. important for the kids, it's important for the company. Well, that's it. Every time, perspective, like, Every know? time someone talks about it in the Bibliotech, in any of the books we read, they're always like, no, but seriously, the Make-A-Wish stuff is, like, one of the best things Even the most done. cynical of wrestlers yeah. have turned around and said, yeah, that's all right. It's like. actually magical. Like, it's one of the best parts of the job. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, Bob Holly ain't here tonight because he's fucking wrestling in his NASCAR car, baby. Oh, bless him. Yeah. Is that the one that Vince gave him? It like, is. He came yeah. 18th out of 24 and he'll be... 
be riding again. And, and you know what it is probably because he's so fucking tanked up and jacked when he came back. Yeah. He can't fit in the car anymore. Well, what it is is I think he actually decided to DQ himself like halfway through the match. He just he got sick of it and he like chaired another car. And afterwards, Terry <laughs> Taylor was like, why'd you do that? He's like, who cares? I mean, it was proper wacky races. The bear was in one of the other cars <laughs> and he was really getting his head You can't like... put them together like that. And man. the bear put a big toupee on the bonnet of his car to really rub it in. <laughs> fucking prick. But Sue here the Make-A-Wish I just think they were looking for uh, in the nicest way possible a very normal looking lady who they could put in bloomers and a big fancy frothy wig yeah and the gimmick here is that Regal has just like kind of found some lady you know yeah <laughs> and this is not even our first Judges of Queensbury Rules match folks no we had one on Smackdown we had one on the Smackdown before this she, she was not there for it though the Duchess herself was not present for that Duchess of Queensbury Rules match but the gimmick was still roughly the same where Regal kind of made it up as he went along yeah and of course as well like I know that this happened in WCW you know probably would have been a year before this they did I know I listened to Lance Storm all the time. He had mentioned it not long ago about the Canadian rules match they did. It was like, mm. you know, one of the Rougeaus was the referee. And, you know, the gimmick was that they would keep changing it every two seconds because the Canadian rules in Canada could mean anything. Yeah. And like, oh, is that a Russo idea? Well, I mean, maybe because if you think back to 98, I think of Austin and Dude Love as the original, which is a Queensbury rules match. Except that was done in, you know, Patterson's like, there's no disqualifications and stuff. This idea here of having the gimmick attributed to this lady and Regal just makes this thing, you know? People always talk about this setup with the Duchess of Queensbury like it is the drizzling shit. Oh, I love this, baby! I, I fucking adore love it. This. It's so perfect for William Regal, like because we've already seen Regal and Jericho, yeah. you know. And guess what? That's it. We did the regular one-on-one match, and it was great. It was really good. But you're not going to follow it up with another regular one-on-one match. No, like... particularly when I've got a triple threat match that's going to be a work-rate match later that's on. It. And after this match, we're having an ultimate submission Iron Man that's match. It. We've got a hardcore match as well. We've got all these. Games gimmicks coming on last man standing we've got triple threat we've got ultimate submission we've got hardcore you need something else and you're not going to do another one-on-one with these guys it's going to be a bit of silly gaga bullshit I but want that's a bit what of, i want yeah. with william regal i want a bit of wrestle bollocks and yeah. william regal is one of the only people i can think of who can give me that carny comedy bollocks and also give me an amazing technical encounter nice bit of wrestling but i tend to see one more than the other generally speaking so yep. on this pay-per-view that has a lot of wrestling on it mm-hmm. this breaks up very nicely welcome and the duchess is not happy to be here in the barbaric united states of america and uh regal is just uh he's there in his in his pants welcoming her and ensuring her that everything's above board and he's gonna make sure she's got her entourage with her and everything it's all above board adam when you say in his pants you mean he's got his wrestling trunks on and he's also got a long sleeve black shirt tucked into said trunk that is a bad look <laughs> that is the regal special he's either in a suit or he's wearing a shirt tucked into his trunks and he looks like such a tit. Or that one time we saw on Smackdown Crawl where the camera zoomed out and he was wearing his suit but no trousers because they thought, ah, you don't need the brieshti for this one for Steve. It's all right, just pop in there. He was doing pandemic Zoom meetings long before the rest of us were. Like. Backstage, with the rock gone, Kurt Angle shines up his medals real nice without fear of any reprisal. He's chatting with Lillian Garcia about his upcoming Ultimate Submission match. Pretty generic promo as far as Kurt yeah. goes. Like he's trying to be a 
bit more serious while keeping a little bit of the goofy. Yeah, he's not ready to shed the goofy character just no. yet. And I'm kind of glad for that, you know? Oh, me too, because come summer, he's going to lean all the way back into it again, isn't he? Like, yeah, I think for Kurt, always for me, when I enjoyed him most, it's when he leans more into the serious stuff, but also more into the goofy at the same time. Be Yeah, be a serious killer of a wrestler, but also say stupid, embarrassing shit on the microphone, please. Yes. That's the ultimate combination. The killer dink, Kurt Angle. That's what I want <laughs> in my wrestling show. Earlier tonight, Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn, JR. Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn. What, Jerry Lynn debuted? Jerry Lynn. Yeah, Paul Heyman does as much as he can with a recap of Heat that inexplicably has Jerry Lynn cheating to beat Crash Holly. And, like, I, I didn't understand that. Like, as a kid, I just didn't understand it. They're talking about Jerry Lynn, like, you know... Jerry Lynn. Like, you know, Jerry Lynn, everyone. This was as confusing for me, someone who knew Jerry Lynn as a child was. <laughs> like, the only thing more confusing than this was when my cousin saw Jerry Lynn in SmackDown 3. And he's like, Jerry Lynn? I'm like, Jerry Lynn? You know, he just... It, he came and went. He won a Cruiserweight title. And he was out that door without making as much as a peep. I feel like across all bonus episodes and side projects, we've probably seen Jerry Lynn about five or six times on the podcast now, and I still... Really? Is that many? I still couldn't tell you a single thing about Jerry he Lynn. He popped up in WWA, I'm he was pretty in sure, WWA. Was he not in WCW or ECW? I feel he like wasn't, we... he was in ECW. Yeah, I, I, like I saw him, him a lot on like Rob Van Dam for How To and stuff like yeah, that. He's I've an amazing wrestler. You but know? I don't know. if I cannot remember a thing. He's like Crowbar in the sense that it's like, yeah, there Oh, he is. Adam, don't fucking lump him in now. I'm just going to make my Twitter private for a couple weeks. <laughs> Adam Zivalos, all that. sorts. Like. <laughs> and Jerry Lynn, when I, I met him, and I met him uh, not at a convention, I just met him wandering around when I was at WrestleMania in Texas, and I shook his hand, and he was very, very nice, very polite, smelled amazing. Yeah. So that goes a long way for me. There, there you go, concerned. that's something. So I'll hear no more of this Jerry Lynn slander on my podcast, but that being said, what the fuck are they doing with Jerry Lynn here yeah. on Heat? He, what? Why is Crash Holly the... Cr- he, we're watching, when did that happen? When did we watch all of SmackDown? Yeah. We need to start watching Heat, baby. I'm That's clearly you, what it is. I'm going to threaten Elite Heat agents one more time, okay? Maybe when we get to the end of SmackDown, we can start doing Elite Heat agents, <laughs> we, all right? When we wrap it when up. When we finally right? catch up. <laughs> Rhino, Raven, Hardcore Championship on the line. Yes, please. And Adam, I don't mind telling you, I've covered this match before on this podcast with you when we did our Hardcore Spectacular. Uh-huh. And I was absolutely gritting ear to ear to get to watch this one again. This is an excellent match and this match is proof positive that you can overcome the position in the cards right the expectations of the division whatever it is raven and rhino excel in this match and this is raven's first time showing what he can do literally make no mistake folks we've seen raven on the crawl boy have we for months now and both raven and rhino look fucking dreadful on smackdown oh like, they, they they've been <sighs> buried week after week but at least rhino is ostensibly meant to be a man beast a killer whatever it yeah. is they just keep putting him in these situations where it's like i'm gonna be okay oh no and i can't I failed but raven is just like He's Taz's shit mate yep. who can't fucking string a win together to save his life. He's a joke. And you're talking about two folks here, by the way, who, when they first met, 
and our eyes clocked across the dance floor and the two things that made us spark up was that we both loved JBL's entrance music and we both had that Raven action figure that somehow had Marvel's The Punisher, the Punisher logo. logo on it and no one noticed. It was the January 6th Insurrection edition of Raven. <laughs> <laughs> he had his sunglasses and his Punisher shirt. But these are two guys who loved Raven as, as yes. a kid for the reason of he looked cool. That's it. He seemed cool. Yep. You know, give me that Raven flow DDT. Yes, please. And I'll tell you, I was embarrassed to be a Raven fan watching him on SmackDown because they treat him with contempt. They do. And, like, I'll be honest, folks, Raven's not going over here tonight, but it's not about the wins and losses. It's about giving them the time to actually show off what they can do. They get, like, a good eight minutes here, which, yeah. by their standards... Seems like a lifetime. It feels like a lifetime. Seeing Rhino and Raven for this long is very unusual, and fuck me, they use those minutes. Yeah, it's the first time I've drawn a love heart in my notes in a long, long time. <laughs> I even coloured it in to the requisite romantic colour red, because I think I would put this in my top ten matches of all time. Wow! Genuinely really? speaking. Just because of what... They they managed to show you know i feel if i was to how to raven or how to rhino this would be like top of my list to be like here's what these guys could do with the shackles of being in wwe and the constraints of being in that hardcore division which in spite of paul Heyman's protest of trying to make it seem legit it is still the kind of it's the geek division it's, it it's the loser division or whatever and the thing is they're not going backstage they're not doing any of the sort of like let's go on a trip kind of fun That's gimmicky stuff it's a street stuff. fight really it's yeah. a street fight they're staying in the ring and the ringside area and they're so using it's a street fight who's staying in the ring and the, <laughs> one of them's wearing jeans is what I mean like. <laughs> but they're doing a lot of the stuff that you would have seen a million times over in the hardcore matches right now they're hitting each other with bin lids they're using chairs they're using a trolley it's nothing about this is like oh it's a really new unique hardcore nah. match it's just so well done and they're also as well following on from a period where the division had you know undertaker kane and big show and test who's you know getting a big push as well like these are all folks who were like chiefly associated with it and raven at wrestlemania was treated as kind of like almost the joke in that match Oh, he was yeah and to see this not being like kind of treated as less than now that you've got lower guys in it Mm -hmm. i think it's cool another thing i love about this match is the unenthusiasm of jr at the start where he's like raven seemingly a fan favorite <laughs> don't know why and Heyman is there he's brought his fucking he's brought his A game here yes. because Heyman as the owner of ECW wants you to know both men former ECW champions yeah. you had to excel and be proficient in the use of weapons and that is why they are excelling in the hardcore division making out like this isn't like you know before where it's like oh sorry Pete Gash you're not a real wrestler you have to be in the hardcore division or sorry Viscera you're shit and fall over so you have to be in the hardcore division it's like these guys know that they're good at this and this is their style other people can't hang with Raven and Rhino that's it it's a different division not a lower division it's just a different style and Raven bringing out the big old shopping trolley yes and he uses every that's it I feel about this like when someone gets a roast chicken and they make fucking stock with the bones and yeah. sandwiches with the dark meat baby nothing goes to waste not a scrap here and again this is the kind of thing that endeared me to raven as a kid because he would always come out with the trolley but in this match he really leans into the fact that the trolley is his thing and he's using like every possible permutation on the trolley as well definitely more of that that's going to get him over with people having that as a signature thing i wonder now if a reason why this hardcore match is particularly easier for us to watch and I don't think this is based necessarily in fact or reality at all. I would be interested to know if folks uh, or you know, anyone who's listening, I know we have a lot of like wrestlers who do listen, if you if you have any insight into this, I'm always interested to know. But am I 
right in thinking that you'd be like myself in, in assuming that bin lids and stop signs and stuff like that, those shots to the head, even though they make a big clatter and a bang, I don't wince as if I'm seeing a chair shot to the no, head. they seem like a much softer metal. Yeah, like... I feel like it's more like Bob Holly playing aluminium ball. Yes. As opposed Whoa, to... Oh, I don't know about that actually, now. You know, that never actually, mind. That's really fucking <laughs> gruesome. And I busted him open hard way when I was... <laughs> but, like, there's there's something to be said, and Raven has always been very outspoken about that. On shoot interviews, going, like, all these people saying, oh, ban all chair shots to the head. Put your fucking hands up. Learn to work it. Learn yeah. to misdirect the audience. Don't actually hit someone in the head with a chair. Yes. You know, far from the school of thought of Ken Shamrock I learned in how to, where it's like, the forehead's the strongest bone. Uh-huh. If I'm taking a chair shot anywhere, I'm taking it right in the top of my head, because that's the safest chair. If you tense your brain up when you take it, then it won't hurt. Yeah. So, I don't know, because you could watch this match and probably grimace a little bit, because, you know... They are smacking each other probably 10 times more often than they would with a chair because yes. it's a bin lid or it's a stop sign or whatever it is. But it it is effective. The audience are acting in shock and That's horror it. what they it, say. It does help that it's a good, hot Chicago crowd because every single bin lid is a big smack and a big, oh, like the crowd pop for yeah. every single impact. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to know that because I will absolutely set aside my glee at this match to one side if it turns out that, yeah, actually... Any shots to the head like that are fucking shit. Even with the soft ones. And they suck like. But I don't know, something about those WWE bin lids seemed like they were... Can't be that bad, right? Yeah, it feels like... Surely. They were one of those old slap wristbands they used to have. It just kind of morphs to the shape. Those like one-time uses roasting tins for doing a big turkey or something. I'd like you wang me on the head with that. No problem. No, no, that was the wrestler you're thinking of, Adam. (laughs) Adam and I, after we watched the wrestler, you shouldn't put us in a Wilco, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) I'm going to fucking ruin the student section upstairs. We get some great offense in here with the stairs being set up on the outside. Raven sat in the chair. Rhino runs off the stairs. And then the chair just like fl- you know, flattens itself. That's it. Makes a big clatter. I don't think anyone was in danger of you know losing an eye or anything no. here. It's because the, you know, the chair is meant to fall that way. Yeah. It looked awesome. I'm surprised more people haven't done that. Yeah. Or, you know, things to that effect. I guess the only silly part of it is having your opponent sat down in a chair does look kind of weird. Like, you have a little, you take a little breather. I'm just going to run up here real quick. Not as silly as Haven's line, what's good for the goose is good for the raven. Nope. And that's when Rhino's jumping off stage. Nope. <laughs> what? You're on about, mate. Is a raven a gander? Is that what he's telling Do me? Do ravens have ganders? I don't know. Would a rhino beat a raven in the animal kingdom? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. I don't know. Your raven gets on that guy's back. I'm you can't sl- do anything I'm about sl- it. What, he's going to do groom him to death? <laughs> I'm, I'm busting out the zoology degree. I've, I've, I've actually got... It, it, <laughs> I've seen a raven fight a rhino. I have. The degree's actually in the hallway because they're moving some stuff around. I'll bust it out right now and settle this. <laughs> <laughs> Rhino tosses the shopping cart into the ring and oh. genuinely is the most impressive thing I think I've ever seen in my life. Not only are they heavy as fuck, but they are cumbersome. Like, the weight is not distributed evenly on a shopping cart, so throwing it overhead above the ropes, like, that's mighty impressive. Like, Adam, you and I, we tend to be basket men when we go and do the weekly oh, yeah. shop. Classic. But maybe once or twice in a, in a, in a, in a six-month period, you got to go for the, the big trolley and do a yeah. stock up. And throwing it into the supermarket is a fucking feat in itself. Yeah, like. I know. Raven is very brave to be in the ring while a Oof. errant shopping cart is yeah. being thrown around. There's something about the trust a shopping cart places in someone when they let them be thrown like that is very impressive to me. 
Raven gets a bit of a flurry here. The crowd are into him. Yes. I Honestly, the, the start of the match was all Rhino. But then when Raven starts coming back, I was impressed by how legit he seemed in the crowd's eye yeah. and in my eyes as well. Like, all the weeks of Burial is very quickly undone by just a bit of impressive offense. And I mean, they've not really done much other than have, like, you know, one or two segments where he's just sitting backstage and they're like, I'm a good guy now. Like, that's kind of pretty much where it's the effect. You know, I always thought Raven and WWF... It was never going to be, you know, what it was in ECW, nor no. should it be. I thought he could have aspired to maybe having something like he did in WCW, where there is this kind of big character that seems to be in, almost in defiance of the narrative of the rest of the show. It was never going to really happen, I guess, no. with WWF. But I do still feel they could have done more with this guy than they did. Undoubtedly. You know, as a face, and like I'm shocked to say as a face, because I always thought Raven's a great heel character, mm. but... This is, like, I always think there's something to the fact that, you know, half of the weird kids in school who I knew fucking all adored Raven. That's it. Even if they barely saw him wrestle, it's just because he looked cool, you even, know? Even though Austin's not a face anymore, it doesn't mean there's not an appetite for, like, an anti-hero baby yeah. face. Like, people still love that kind of, like, shades of grey, edgy hero character. It's shit like, you know, seeing him wearing a Sandman t-shirt, my friend being like, that's a good comic. Like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, yeah literally, <laughs> something as simple as that. It's like, he's cool. Like. Yeah, it, it definitely, definitely works. Fucking hell, it's easier for a rich man to get into heaven than for Rhino to gore himself through the eye of a shopping cart. Oh my god, that is... pinpoint precision! So fucking scary. He could have ripped his face off if he wasn't, like, absolutely pinpoint accurate with that. I've, like, in a shopping situation, accidentally dropped things outside. Like, I've not (laughs) hit the bag of rice into a shopping cart. Yes, alone (laughs) Rhino running into it. Into it through the foldy bit where they all connect together, the shopping carts. Like, he just goes right in, perfect. Do you, like, practice that? How do you you arrange that I think that he is just so good at the gore that he literally is, like, with laser precision, can gore into... You could probably get him to gore through a letterbox if you wanted to. Like, he's that (laughs) precise. He's like a cat, like, his bones will shift, like, you know? I absolutely love the moment Raven with the kitchen sink smashing away on top of it. That's the exact exact thing you should be doing in hardcore matches. It's a funny visual, makes a big clash or a huge noise. Crowd are going crazy. He's just fucking bop. Like other than the noise, there's nothing actually happening nah. to him. You know, it's it's actually really safe. Really safe. And what would have been a nice thing is that the finish be caught on camera. This happens, I think, another time later on in the yeah, night. Yeah, they're too busy with the instant replay. Yeah, like... the main event. I think they missed like part of the finish as yeah. well later on. But uh, we missed the gore to Raven, and I kind of. I forgive it in retrospect always because it's like, oh, the Gorgon can come out of anywhere. Yeah. But it does suck to see the finish get messed up like yeah. that. And not on not on either the wrestlers or the referee. It got fucked up because somebody who's directing wrestling for 20-some years can't figure out that the finish is coming. Yeah. So that's a disappointment. What is not a disappointment, though, is the overall match is incredible. Rhino is referred to as being impregnable. And <laughs> later on, here we are 20-some years later, Adam. Still not giving birth. Still the case. Uh, still the case. Fabulous match. I've said it many times. Anytime it's come up, this match, and I've had a whiff of being able to talk about it. Please watch this match. Absolutely. We got a replay now mm. of this entire Shane McMahon, Big Show, Jack of the Beanstalk segment, which I'll have you know, as a child, I thought was the height of sophistication. Yeah, so I funny. loved it. Anytime I saw Shane O'Max Titantron and they'd show him just holding up the book, smiling, I'm like, yeah! He's got the book. Hello, Big Show. I saw what you did to test, so I thought I'd try to calm you down by reading from this fable to turn that frown 
upside down. This story stars a giant, a beanstalk, and a boy named Jack. But for the purposes of this story, the boy will be named Shane O'Mac. Now Shane had a dad that was angry and crass because at WrestleMania, Shane kicked his dad's ass. Shane's dad was sore, he could barely walk. So we called Shane out for a father-son talk. They stood in the ring, face to face and toe to toe, when Vince called out for the giant big show. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I'm seven foot tall, but me, plenty dumb. Show grabbed Shane by the neck, picked him up off the mat, then choke slammed Shane down with a ferocious splat. Vince grinned from ear to ear upon seeing the crash, said you two will compete this Sunday at Backlash. Once the match started, the giant looked high and low, but he couldn't find Shane. Which way did he go? Up to the top of the mighty beanstalk, the people were stunned, they can barely talk. The fairy tale ends with a mighty crash landing, and it was all said and done. Shane O'Mac was the last man standing. Fuck this low energy Mickey Mouse bullshit. It's so crap! A bibbidi dibbidi day. A dibbidi dibbidi day. Oh, it's so cringy. Why are you so oh, quiet, Shane? It's really like, why Why did I think this was so <laughs> clever as a kid? It's the first time I saw rhyming in wrestling, was it like? Oh, maybe. Is that literally what it was? Like, he rhymed. That's Move hard, over, road I'm, dog. I'm fucking 10 years old and I think this is brilliant. He also gives away the finish to the match as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, thanks a lot about that. Like. I'm going to do a massive jump. As we said on SmackDown Crawl, there is a, a big missed opportunity here, which is photos crossover because this was made in photo slam literally it was look at them fucking borders baby and hey here's a little something you can check out for free we did an entire video episode on the wwe photo slam look editing software slick and you know what? i'm not it's not even a plug because we gave it away for free yeah that's right we gave it away for free check it out on our youtube channel check it if you just type in photo slam review we're the first thing that comes up so there, there you is. go there you go a little bit of free for you there have fun with your photos <laughs> two cool things with your photos like Shane McMahon did. So Cole is interviewing Shane now, who is, I just assume, nervous about the big spot later on because he's like, yeah. Ew. And he's also holding his little book as well. <laughs> like, Aww. dude, put that away for fuck's sake. It's like me when I got my Flick the Inventor and Room Guard. <laughs> and then we had show and tell for the first and only time in school in the same week. I was, that thing was on my arm, baby. You're like. goddamn right. And although, ironically, as I learned later on, bringing him into show and tell. My room was fucking wide open all day. Oh, no. I'm just saying, man. Anyone could have got in there. Anyone could have got in there. And Flick would have been like, sorry, buddy. <laughs> I may be the adventure and but I ain't got shit for you today. I missed the part, but that's my problem. <laughs> Steph comes in and begs Shane to apologise to Vince and just be like, let's just, you know, let's leave all this behind. You can still be part of the family again. Steph's basically trying to get him to make amends with Vince because she is, like, still scared. Like, you know, we've been through a lot of shit together, but you are still my brother. I did like the bit where she's kind of going, you're living in a fantasy world, Shane. Yeah, and I, I thought that was kind of like the idea of, you know, like you bought WCW. What's wrong with you? But this is the thing. That All right, yeah, let's talk because we've seen this a lot on SmackDown. Like this WCW shit is not getting a word in. That well, they mention it every now and then. That like Heyman is there because he knows it's his meal ticket yeah, to a better spot. And Vince will be like, "I see you trying to recruit Big Show to that WCW crap." 
But they then will then go like two weeks without mentioning it at all. Yeah, and we, then bring we got it up again, more like. mentions of the XFL since WrestleMania than we had at WCW. And one of these things is winding down. One of these things, if we're to be believed right now, Jim Ross, like I read the Ross report from, from around this time, yeah. you know, but my original source for news and hot goss, he's meeting with Rob Van Dam. Yeah. He's meeting with Booker T. He's meeting with everyone. Like, you know, he is laying the groundwork. June is going to be the debut of WCW on TNN, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that's it. They're still shopping around. And I I feel like sometimes maybe the the plan backstage is like we're gonna we're gonna push this thing hard we want everyone to get excited about it so let's keep mentioning it and then the next week is like actually we don't know if the deal's gonna go through so yeah. maybe don't mention it this week like and it's very it's, it's fucking consistent yeah. yeah which you know is very annoying because as a kid you really need the clarification of like if you're a wcw fan suddenly wcw goes off the air and it's like shane mcmahon owns it now and it's like well why isn't it why doesn't he want it on tv anymore like there's no kayfabe reason why wcw is off television you know yeah because shane i think is the reason why i'm i'm down on this a little bit is because he's not mentioning wcw it's his fucking project like we saw the wcw limousine once yeah like and that's been in like five or so weeks since wrestlemania 17 and probably six or seven weeks since shane actually bought wcw so like come on now make hay and as a kid because i went to german language college for two weeks Mm -hmm. during the height of the invasion and i came back and it was all different i always assumed that there was loads of stuff that I just didn't pick up on. Gotta be, surely. Nah, nah. nah. <laughs> Nothing. He's too busy talking about fucking beanstalks. And here's Stephanie begging him not to go in the match. Please stop talking about beanstalks, Shane. You're living in a fantasy land, Shane. It's scary. And he literally says to her, Oh, this story is real. And I'll tell you one thing. That this story tonight will have a happy ending. Oh, Dude, please! please. We're all worried about you Ding now. Ding a ling ling. <laughs> Dude, come on. Fuck off Shane the Beanstalk. I want to see Stephanie in the Beanstalk. I want to see Stephanie up in a giant's room and he's like, <laughs> fee fi fo fum, and she's like all small, being like, what the hell is this? Why is everything so big, Hunter? Camo cold Steve Austin is coming out into the arena with Deborah. In a very fucking awkward game of, uh, I don't know, pull her arm. It's just not fucking fun at all, is it? Like, Here comes Kevin Kelly. He's like, Stone Cold, do you want to say something? Oh, quite frankly, I don't want to say a thing because I'm not confident in this new character. Well, you know what? That's why you sent a backstage interviewer there who can control his character like it. that. I, th- you know I, re- I genuinely thought we'd, you'd forgotten and I was going like, to hopefully slip past it. All right, Adam, like... you know what? Yeah, I've had a chat with some of the guys at the ranch and in the ranch now, I can aff- even though the ranch is sworn to secrecy, I will never reveal the location of the ranch or much of the blueprints of the ranch. But what I will say is we have moved out one of the jacuzzi rooms. It's now rant room. So if you have any problems with Kevin Kelly nicknames in your pop, and I'll hear it, you know? Yeah, and, run room. And you'll have to say it to my face this time, yeah? Because you hide behind the microphone! It's okay, there's only a couple more months left on the crawl, and then he's out of here, and then we are done. Look at this guy here, looking, licking his chops for someone to lose his job. Hey, he'll land on his feet, I'm sure. He's <laughs> pretty sure he's going to be working heel dead in Maryland after he'll this. He'll be living off the photo slam residuals long into retirement, Kevin. There's a man who did cool things with his photos. Exactly. And controlled his narrative. <laughs> Um, Austin's just kind of low energy. He's not the psychotic rattlesnake. This is what we've been getting every week on SmackDown. In the ring, he'll do something totally twisted like murder leader or whatever, and it'll be like, Steve, why did you murder leader? Well, quite frankly, I don't want to explain myself because I actually haven't figured any of this shit out. It's really dull. 
I think less isn't, would have been a lot more with Austin. If we had just gotten the, like, why Steve, why? And, like, he never said. Him, be, him being because, silent would be better yeah, than this. Not saying a word. He still has not really said why. He's just kind of been like, haven't you figured it out? Like, why wouldn't I? And, you know, shit like that. And it's like, all right, you talking all the time and giving us no respite as to what's going on is so much worse than you just being quiet. I mean, worse in terms of her, heel heat. Because yes. you're kind of getting chat from him but it's not going anywhere that's it it would have been actually i think he would have got over way more as a heel if he did that jericho thing and just refused yes. to say a word just don't Keep speak strong. at all yeah, yeah. yeah that would have drove people crazy because people would be like why are you fucking doing this this is some of the worst promo work of austin's career i think it is the worst personally this he, is really bad i said it on crawl and i'll say it here again for for folks but it's just like the ringmaster used to or not even the ringmaster you know when he was very the first time stone cold just Steve austin. post ringmaster yeah ted dibiase over here believes in god that's pretty cool for him but i'm cold I guess you could even say I'm stone cold. You <laughs> sexy bastard. Look at my million dollar belt. <laughs> That's right. I'm a bold man. <laughs> He's just so I low energy. A, a $50 unblock fee if you want to talk to me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I respond only to yes, ringmaster. <laughs> the ring goddess, Steve Austin. <laughs> Backstage, William. Come on, how many fucking backstage segments, Hey, no, no, no. This is a Smackdown Crawl special report, baby. This is a Smackdown the pay-per-view. It is. Like. It's a fitting, Adam. It's very <laughs> fitting, this. Backstage, William Regal stops that no-good piece-of-shit Jonathan Coachman from interviewing the, the Blessed Duchess. Get him back down to Kansas City covering potato sack races. Love that. <laughs> and I love that even the Duchess has an attitude where Coachman's like, excuse me, Duchess, well, who the hell are you? I'm Jonathan Coachman. Who cares? Like, she, <laughs> she herself is working heel. Like. You know what's fucking great? What's really great? If you want a fucking proper pop, Read any interview Coach has done in the last two years talking mm -hmm. about his recent return to WWE and then being shown the door yeah. and then thinking he's owed money because of XFL stuff. Oh, oh God. baby. Oh, it's so funny. I had forgotten about that where it was like, he's on ESPN now, so everyone be on your best behavior. This is a huge coup for WWE. Oh, no, 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 no. Off you fuck, mate. And it's just great where it's like, and I would leave, you know, four weeks out of five and they had a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny seeing like Jonathan Coachman get all fucking worked up and ordinary because like, you never expect it from him. Because in my mm. mind, Jonathan Coachman is always... The young lad here who gets pranked by Vince McMahon, yes. you know, getting arrested for a fake gambling ring, among yeah. other things. Coach doesn't get a word in edgeways, but uh, he'll be moving up the ranks if K-squared's out the door That's soon. That's it, he'll be taking his place. It is time for the Duchess of Queensbury Rules matchup. William Regal versus Y2J Chris Jericho. Highlight of this one is at the start, Paul Heyman being, I'll be honest with you, JR, I have no clue what's going on in this match. And then one minute later be like, my sources tell me, JR. I love this. It's 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 just like Bobby Heenan. It's I love so it. It's so good. Yeah. Well, he starts off like he hasn't got a clue. And then by the end of the match, he's saying, look, JR, it's written right here on this piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> the introduction is laid out for the Duchess who comes out first. Yep. She's got her own special chair and everything like that. There you go. I like that. I love this. Make it as silly and as in, like, frustratingly stupid as possible. Like, that's how you get the heat on it. Jim Ross tipping his cap going, welcome to America, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and then Heyman on the side just being like, it's about time we got some real royalty on the commentary table anyway, JR. Yeah. Great stuff. 
Photo Slam Jericho has got some hot takes on William Regal and the Duchess. Really proud of this picture. He's got a picture of William Regal's face photoshopped over like a, a generic queen image or whatever. And he's already used it. And this is like the third time he's carted it out. And I look, see? Remember? Remember when you popped last time? Why aren't you popping like you did before? He's kind of diminishing returns. It also is. as well, like as a fan at this point, you figured out that the reason it's funny is because William Regal is consciously pulling... A silly face. Doing that, Ooh, kind of face. You know what? It's very rare you get to see peak physical unit William Regal here where he's like, you know, top of his game, you yeah. know, confidence wise. He's back, you know, he's That's been it. back for a good while. Technique is fucking impeccable. He's wrestling people where, you know, as he said, we've done walk, Walking a Golden Mile over on Patreon, the Bibliotech. It was a, a tough old journey, let's just say. Yeah. But learning about, you know, his kind of viewpoint on. He's wrestling with the right people, so that will make him up his game. You know, yes. it's kind of uh, the kind of the the idea of the the group will kind of reflect on William Regal almost. But he's also peak doing his stuff, yeah, he as is. he likes to say, because he's fucking being proper silly. Because there's a lady in a silly costume. It's honestly like a blackadder setup. It, this, it really you know? is. The Duchess is at ringside. That's it. That's why this. I love this match so much because this is like literally the perfect marriage of match type to character yes this is so william regal and so perfect just for him right opponent we're seeing the technical wrestling there's some fucking sick suplexes and throws all in all you probably see as much wrestling as you do in the frankly slightly too short wrestlemania 17 match that they have that's it it's not like the gimmick is getting in the way of the match or whatever it's adding like an extra little bit of silliness and a bit of bullshit every every couple minutes or so they'll do something but it's not like the whole match is fucking hampered by this thing i just i'm having a good time here folks because yeah. william regal is waving lots and jr is having all of it on commentary did you hear what he said about it hmm Paul, the commissioner's in trouble. He's constantly waving and no one cares. Oh, no. I mean, he does, in the middle of doing a move, he climbs on the top rope just to do a wave. Maybe he's up into Chicago before. Who knows? YTJ rallies. It's the lion salt. And he's just about to get the pain. And ding, ding. The Duchess informs us that round one has ended. <laughs> and I've had a good authority that round two is of an equally indeterminate length. Yeah, round two is the rest of the match. <laughs> like, you can you can see like the, the bullshit here that they're trying to do. They're trying to have, you know, the kind of the unfairness and all that. And I think like it works well with, with Jericho, who is he is tagging with Benoit at the moment. They are just two Chris's. Yes. But they are still trying to make it that both these guys are fighting their own battles. They have yeah. to be kind of, you know, vigilantes or whatever it is against their various oppressors or whatever is, is happening on SmackDown and Raw. But like Jericho being put in the Regal stretch, he's in there for ages. Regal's really get sick of it to him. He just makes the ropes. Fucking hell. And then he manages to, in a moment of good fortune, get Regal into the walls of Jericho. And then all of a sudden we're informed, as soon as Regal taps, that there is no submission nope. in the Dutch Decrees v. Reels, despite the fact that Regal had his finish I on know. two seconds earlier. <laughs> like, that's that's when you think a little bit more in, into it. And that's, it just made me pop. Like, you know, I love it. And JR's obviously going nuts about the Duchess and all of her interfering. And Heyman says, leave her alone, JR. The poor woman is still mourning Princess Di. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Heyman. <laughs> Fucking hell. We get a scepter shot uh, the Duchess informs us that there is uh, no disqualifications uh, we get the scepter shot and JR goes 
a woman carrying a scepter. <laughs> like, it's the most disgusting thing he's ever seen. Spoken like a man in a John Wayne costume, like, Regal goes lap first into the Duchess. Oh. This is great. This yep. is fantastic. Proper slapstick. Like, the only thing I was missing here was a lot of mustard, and Regal would have given us his all-time comedy performance. I think the thing I love about this is you just know that Regal is having the time of his life. Like, this is the kind of silly bullshit, the kind of carry-on camp silly stuff that he loves doing. I always adore hearing from Regal and, you know, Brian Danielson, the former Daniel Bryan, the former, former Brian Danielson. You know, but people just kind of assuming because they work a style that they like, and therefore that they only like this thing. And it's like, I, I see the wrestlers have come and gone over the years who are just solely laser focused in on the work rate, the moves, the yeah. match, the, the athletic contest. And I understand, like, because it's like, it's an amazing platform. It's an amazing canvas to tell those stories. You know, there's an upper limit, I feel, always with, you know, what you can offer, particularly in this company we're talking about here in mm. terms of just in-ring work rate, this, that, and the other. And, like, you know, Regal will tell you, and Brian will tell you as well, some of their favorite shit they've ever done is, like, the goofy shit. Yeah. You know, Regal loves, more than anything, when you had to dress up as the Las Vegas showgirl against Goldust mm -hmm. on Raw at Raw Roulette because he got to walk out in heels and be silly. Or him and Brian doing their, like, you know, kung fu wizardry stuff yep. on the JBL and Cole show. You need to have that in you, you know, to excel in this company particularly. And that's what makes these such, like, people like Brian and like Regal are such, like, fondly remembered and loved characters is because, like... You know, I think it was it Jim Cornette always referred to like styles of wrestling as being like flavors of ice cream. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't yeah. like that flavor. I like this one. Was, these guys are literally like Neapolitan. Yes. Right? It's like it's a bit of all these different things, and there's something that appeals to different crowds. And you know, they can do a completely serious match where they don't do any silly bullshit, or they can do a match where they do just silly bullshit. Or here, what we're getting is the perfect combo of like actual good action and good wrestling with lots of really goofy, silly stuff. Yes, that makes it's honestly, pop. it's my ideal. Like, honestly, it Genuinely really, really it is. is. This yeah. is why I like because I was impressed by the pacing of the interjections from you just know, the right yeah. amount of time between each one yeah and we built up of course to jericho getting in the duchess's security's face he lays the out. he brings her into the ring and kids <laughs> the fucking walls of jericho. jericho well like we see jericho like i guess it makes sense because this man like if there's a woman at ringside he's gonna fucking that go is, for her yeah, like, you know? know, like... he's put trish he's put stephanie he's put everyone in the fucking walls of jericho yeah but jr as the bloomers are exposed referring to us it's an international incident <laughs> so the UN are going to get involved. You get a graphic of Jericho. He's going to take his passport. He's going to have to go to the UN and apologize. Like it's absolutely hilarious. And then, like you know, you need to see this now and then because you know you get chair shots all the time. But Regal just waffles him with a chair three Oof. times, and that's the finish. Yeah, and that feels like such a like oh he didn't low blow him or just go wham one big shot. It was like he just fucking three. gave a few digs yeah. and quickly, quickly one two three. The lame, like the lamest way to win a match. Again, so good because it's Perfect. like, yeah, William Regal, he can wrestle. He's really silly. He's really goofy. He's over top and he's posh. But also, he's a fucking bastard he's as well. A physical like, commissioner. Yeah. And Jared going, well, I guess that's okay. <laughs> and even Howard Finkel's having none of it because at the end he goes, the winner of the match, according to Duchess of Queensbury rules, William Regal. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I fucking love that match. Backstage, Vince McMahon and big tired Paul Weiss. Oh, the shit show. 
fucking run a comb through that hair, you scruffy bastard. <laughs> What's going on? The state of him. <laughs> He's just like week after week looks like he doesn't give a toss anymore. All I'll say, folks, is that we've had a whale of a time with the big show Paul White, who I thought, right, 2000s on Smackdown Crawl, we went through all the wee bit of fun, entertaining big yeah. show in excruciating detail. Why can't the kids just have condoms, Paul White? And we've come full circle now. The man's back from OVW. He's meaner, he's bigger, he's badder. And I don't think I've ever seen him less motivated or booked in a way that makes him look like a big galoot. That's it. It feels like it's just... You know when, like, a couple are going through tough times and both of them are making it worse? Like, neither one's willing to cooperate. I feel like he's come back from OVW. They're not impressed with the results. Couples therapy didn't work. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) So out of spite, they're booking him badly. And him, out of spite, is not giving it his all either. So it's just really fucking miserable all round. Yeah, I mean, we went, I think, an entire seven days with the big show being presented as semi-legitimate. I don't know about an entire seven there, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't see the most recent. It was maybe a solid hour in there where they treated him as legitimate, perhaps. The general theme of this promo is Vince McMahon telling Paul White, don't fuck this up, yeah? And he congratulates him prematurely. And then they both, like, shake (laughs) both their hands like... (laughs) (laughs) Our old acquaintance be forgotten. (laughs) It's fucking weird. (laughs) Yeah, you should have the atmosphere of a big celebratory Greek dinner with just two lads <laughs> laughing together. It was uh, odd vibes off of this one. Coming up next, oh baby, ultimate submission. Mm. Chris Benoit and Kurt Angle. I was very excited to watch this one. 30 minutes, both men have got killer submission holds. They are put over in this video package. The men are dangerous, but their holds are dangerous. Yep. This is a very, very interesting match to put on in front of an audience that even though, you know, this is a WWF roster that's stacked with technical guys, a lot of submission wrestlers other than these two, but this is not an audience that's used to seeing submissions as the primary kind of way that we determine matches end. In a match that is guaranteed to be 30 minutes long. 30 like, minutes, no near falls. No. I mean... That's 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 what I was going to say. That's the issue with this. Tough. Is that you need... For an Iron Man match, you need to have, obviously, regular falls and regular near falls. And the closest thing you can get to a near fall with a submission is then with the shaky hand where it's like, but are they going to do tap? that once or twice. That doesn't... Yeah, it's not sustainable for a long match, I don't think. And this is kind of something that we've always struggled with, you know, is is what what is the relation to submissions? Because they've, you know, they love when a baddie taps out. Yeah. And you get you tapped out. And they'll probably go, oh, Triple H, he, he, you know, there's probably four times in Triple H's career where he's come out, yes. like, getting you tapped out chance to be like, yeah, shut up. Yeah. And that works for him because he's the fucking top guy or whatever. But there still is this issue. And people have come and gone in that company really trying hard. Mm-hmm. And if Brian Danielson can't make the WWE crowd understand submissions as not the end of the world if someone taps out, it's not a fucking slight on their character. No, fine. We are going into this match with the kind of cloud of someone's going to have their reputation irrevocably damaged yeah. somehow. Bye. But I don't make you. Back in the day, on the playground, this match was spoken about in like, almost revered terms like do you know they had this match between oh the, yeah you know this was this was the match that was the talk of the town like you know and i think it's very important as well i've taken aside now for the uk and ireland perspective a big big part of the downturn of people watching these shows and watching wrestling 
is that A, there's no other WCW show for people to watch, mm-hmm. okay? But B, this is the last show they ran on Channel 4. Yeah, they, I can't believe they were still running shows on Channel 4 yeah. at this point. Like. And this one, by the way, we had some reports from folks on Patreon about how this one went down. They paid segments out of order, yep. somehow. Repeated segments. You know, like... they went black and white. Mm-hmm. They, you know, I, I wrote an article about this back in the day. It was one of the most fucking hideous working relationships of all yeah. time. It lasted a year and three months, and it made a huge thousands of wrestling fans mm-hmm. thousands of people i'm sure if you're listening right now and you're from the uk and you're between the ages of your late 20s and your mid 30s you probably watched a bit of wrestling on channel four back For in the sure. day you're probably wondering why people didn't care about sunday night heat in the same way that you and your friends Aww. did but you know it was a big downturn was it because channel four simply couldn't let the go that steve austin turned heel would you make <laughs> stone cold a baddie said the commissioning editor of channel four <laughs> but yeah that's a big part of it i think it can't be understated you know yeah. that is a big big part of it people stopped watching for reasons yeah like thematic reasons but also they couldn't watch it was less accessible yeah two of the greatest superstars in the world wrestling federation today kurt angle and chris benoit and they both got two of the most fierce submission holds in the world wrestling federation chris benoit the rabid wolverine the rabid wolverine the machine benoit is a machine benoit is just tenacious the master of the crippler crossface benoit going for the Think to us. Yeah, it was. I get what they were trying to do. Both was, men are types of machine. It was less about <laughs> the feud and more about like, here's Chris Benoit, here's Kurt Angle. They're both submission masters. What's going to happen in this match? But mm, I don't know. The actual feud itself has lost a lot of its steam. I think there's yeah. a lot of like, I'm going to make you tap. I'm going to make you tap. And it's like, yeah, we've been doing this for a little while now. I could do with an extra level of something to get add a little bit more salt and pepper to it. Because right after WrestleMania, we did start teaming up with the two Chris's together. Yes. And then it's kind of like, we did that for a few weeks and now they're going to do their separate things. Step back. And Jericho, he's like developed his feud with William Regal where it's like, okay, we're going to have this big silly gimmick yeah, match yeah, yeah. instead. And these guys instead are going, we're going to have the big serious gimmick match. The ante has been upped here. But... It has, but I'm less invested than I was at WrestleMania. Had you seen this one before? Yes. You had? Yes. And as a kid, what did you reckon, George? I remembered this really fondly. I remembered it as being like a, oh, it's a very unique kind of match. They're both submission superstars, so it's going to be really fucking interesting to see them. Like, who's how many crippler crossfaces are we going to yeah. see? That kind of thing. I mean, I would say that the number one match type, when I remember being in secondary school, where you know, there was very much that point where there were a load of people who I knew who liked wrestling, and then there was a point where there was like, two or three people strewn across various years who liked wrestling, usually for weird different reasons than I liked wrestling. Mm. 
But generally speaking, if I got chatting to anyone, we talked about match types we love or wanted to see come back. Ultimate Submission almost always got a look Why'd in. Why'd they only ever do one? Yeah. Like, well. Well, uh... that's because I think maybe it is on paper a better idea than it is in practice. Because this hot Chicago crowd, for whatever reason, and I don't know, I don't say for whatever reason. I think the reason is pretty obvious. And I've seen real wrestling live when the guys have done this type of thing, which is like straight grappling. It's a fucking shoot. And it's amazing to watch live. And I think if I didn't have that maybe memory of seeing you know Zack Sabre Jr whoever the you know there's a million fucking guys in the UK yeah. do this type of thing but like I feel like I was giving them a lot of credit kind of going I under, I can understand what it would be like to see this live but the problem is is that when you are watching this live and you don't have commentators to help That's you it. they were a bit lost to see the crowd it felt like particularly up in the upper decks Kurt says that apparently the on-screen graphics that we get with the timer and the scorecard doesn't go out to the live audience there was no like scoreboard or anything there for the live oh. crowd so it was way harder for them to follow and appreciate why didn't they just start like, going eh, like those guys <laughs> did with Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler that one time make up your own timer and ruin uh... the match guys but there is incredible Olympic style wrestling I guess you could call it the yeah. guys just go straight into my position and there is that kind of almost scary levels of 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 like them able to maneuvering each other's bodies. Like yes. it feels like if Benoit or Kurt decided I'm gonna break this guy's blank right now, it would happen. No one could do anything about it. Like yeah. So it is interesting to see always that kind of that duality of them going you know hell for leather as I like to say, and mm-hmm. then like really like there's an intensity there. They're not holding back, but also. You would think that they're not just going out and going, who can wrestle the best? Because if they do that, I'm pretty sure they fucking hurt each other. Yeah, for sure. You know, so there is kind of a, a, a caginess here that is really impressive. But the crowd aren't there. But if you want that old school wrestling vibe, particularly in the first half of it, you want the commentators to be like, here's why they're doing this. Here's what happened. That being said, there is the handcuffs of being WWE commentators. Mm. And I feel like Heyman wants to say a lot more than he actually is. They do a decent job. I like. I appreciate that Jr. like knows all the holds and everything. He's always very quick to tell you what hold is being applied right now. It's quite impressive hearing like him have this sort of encyclopedic knowledge almost. But it's just I don't know. It's a very dry match. After their amazing match at WrestleMania, this being the follow up on paper makes sense. Yes, to follow up with like a big gimmick match like this. If but you I- were someone though who would you know was hoping that. Come on now, it's 2001. You know, can we get a little bit more of a flow from 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 Japan in terms of style and influence? Yeah, because you know people want that for for fucking forever. It felt like, and you know they still always do, even though we're in peak times. I guess the last ten years of the Japanese style mm. being kind of you know adapted and brought in and seeing more of that even in WWE. But I do think there is kind of upper limits in what they'll want to do because Heyman is trying to explain that tapping out's not the end of the world. And actually, you probably want to tap out early in this one because, you know, the longer you're in a hold... The more damage. The more damage it is. Still got 20 minutes to go. It's but, good logic, like... But still, when someone goes into submission, they're like, oh, is he going to tap out? Can you imagine, Paul? Could you imagine if he taps mm. out? You know, Heyman even brings up that Benoit spent a year as a young boy in the New yes. Japan Dojo. And I was like, fucking hell. Like, yeah. That's pretty, you know, interesting stuff to be hearing here. But I think the commentators aren't able to communicate that with the crowds. The phrase licking his chops is used a lot here. 
<laughs> and I mean, that for me is the basis of any feud. If anyone was licking my chops, you know. Oh, you've licked my chops. You're going to pay for that sometime. Fucking hell, yeah. you know. And then you know, Benoit, of course, as we all know famously in this feud, he snuck Kurt Angle's chops down his <laughs> tights, didn't he? And then Kurt had to tell him, and Kurt was eating his pork chop layer. And then Taz was like, there's going to be tangy coal. Yeah. That's not the type of marinade Grandma Tazzarelli's okay. going to use. Jesus. They're straight up wrestling, baby. Five minutes in, Kurt Angle, though, starts to show the frustration. He's coming out of the ring. He's getting a chair, putting it down. Mm. You know, we also are informed there's going to be recovery time in this one, which I think is a good shout to have that built into the match. Yeah, I normally don't like this in Ironman matches where it's like a 30-second break, but they just do it. They don't make a big like, and now, ladies and gentlemen, the 30-second time. It's like they just do it. There's a little ding of the bell, and then they get back to it yes. again. Like, it's fine. They don't make a fuss. We get Kurt Angle in a, getting a knee bar onto Chris Benoit, who immediately taps out. And Heyman is like, what a smart move by Chris Benoit. He knows that he has to, you know, it'll help him in the long run. Yeah. He, you know, but the crowd go like, oh! Like, they're, <laughs> they're like, oh, he's tapping into that. If Kurt gets the ankle lock, he'll fucking kill him. Well, right? that's it. Without commentary, it just looks like, oh, that's the kind of move that you would never tap out to normally. Why are you tapping out now? Like Because I'm a big fucking nerd and I didn't have anything better to do while I was watching this match. I mean, I probably did. I should have been watching the I was match. Gonna say, that, that tells you a lot right there <laughs> no, about no. this match. Eight minutes in was the first strike. Hey, look at that. And I just thought that is interesting. You know, that for two guys while. who, in, as well as being known for licking their chops, are known mm-hmm. for obviously throwing chops. chops. I thought that was impressive to go that long in that match. You know, with just grappling. Was, and, it, was you know. it Kurt that threw the first strike by any chance? I know, it was Benoit. It was Benoit. Okay, chop. that's the yeah. opposite of their WrestleMania one then. I'll tell you what, Benoit with the fucking cross arm breaker and he used the cool little roly-poly beforehand mm. with Kurt. That's cool, man. That was awesome. I was happy to see that one and I did not go, oh, when Kurt tapped out to that. It was still interesting though, seeing them like have this booked so far in advance that I would have appreciated on SmackDown you know, when we're crawling, seeing that maybe Benoit taps someone out to something else. That's it. Pick up a couple of victories with some different submissions. They, they spent so much of the build putting over the cross face and the ankle lock that in this match, you'd be a little confused to be like, well, why don't they just keep doing those? Yeah. Like, that's his killer move. Do it like six times. You'll get six victories straight away there. Like Kurt Angle with the dreaded backwards chair shot at this point, though. Oh, that is fucking sick, Oh, you don't sick, do baby. that. The chair shot into the ankle lock, which I love, Yikes. which then gets reversed. And afterwards, Kurt Angle gets the ankle lock in. Mm-hmm. We get an immediate tap out from Benoit. It's 2-1. Kurt just waits for the time to expire. Then the crossface, 3-1. This is the exact type of thing you always want to see in Iron Man matches. Keep on him, like, don't let up. Even if there is a rest period, it's nothing to say you don't jump on him straight away after that rest period. We then go outside for a little bit, and I thought this is the point where I was like, all right, okay, you know, you have to do this. It's It's, 30 minutes. I'm surprised it didn't go into the crowd, (laughs) like, you know. Well, I mean, I don't know if you have to do this. I feel like in a modern day environment with the new kind of wrestling fans that you have in like an AEW environment or whatever, they probably could do this match and keep it entirely in the ring with this being WWF for a WWF crowd they absolutely need to go to the outside and yeah. do some extra bullshit like uh, yeah and like we're doing things like you know doing the submissions on the outside but you yeah. know, it doesn't count the taps because they're not mm-hmm. happening in the ring I think Heyman <laughs> is like it's just like in the Olympics like what <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't count if you tap someone out outside the ring in the Olympics yeah, I'm pretty Kevin. sure Gable Stevenson when he would he'd fuck someone out of the ring and he went and he put him in the Katahajime <laughs> but it didn't count you see because it was outside the ring 
Benoit with 15 minutes left. He busts out the sharpshooter. I thought that was a nice little nod there. You know, a nice better sharpshooter than the one that The Rock has been doing. You know, probably do a better sharpshooter on the set of The Scorpion King than he did in any wrestling matches. You know, as a giant scorpion CGI. (laughs) Give me your legs there. Oh no, I've snipped them off. We'll still make it work though. It's okay. And a half crab so pretty it'd make Lance Storm be serious for a moment. That move is gorgeous, isn't it? In it. Like, you think, wow, I remember thinking that when my brother was like, yeah, Lance Storm is finished. He was a half Boston crab. What? That's so shit. And then, like, oh, he seemed slide through fucking baseball style, flips him around, one fell movement. Beautiful. The crowd popped for it as well. It's three to two. Benoit whiffs a drop kick as Kurt Angle holds onto the ropes and then he gets in a nice long shin lock which makes the crowd just that that bottom of the mouth. That is literally the, the, it was right already, when I thought we were getting going like. It was yeah. already a tough sell this match. It was really hard work to try and get the crowd into this and then to just go straight to these rest holds here and it's a good three or four minutes of rest holds here now yeah. and this kills the energy. Two minutes left we get the German suplexes coming up Oof. and this is, I guess, a little bit of an issue with, with me and these types of matches, you know, your Ironmans, your Ultimate Submissions or whatever, because like I was like two minutes in, I was like, right, now we're going for suplexes then, I'm assuming, because there's two minutes left. And mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, when you don't know when the end of the match is coming up, you can kind of almost be caught by surprise when, here we go, here's the go-home sequence. Yeah. And I think another thing that's maybe overlooked about these matches is, yes, you don't have the benefit of near falls, but also the added thing of, like, when two minutes comes and you're literally sitting waiting for your sequence. That's it. And then you get it. Not to say it's not impressive, but I was kind of, like, really in wrestling where I'm like, do you're going to do this bit now, and yeah. then it happens. I'm there like, it is. yay. Yeah. I'm the world's worst psychic, Aww. you know? But we get the ankle lock, countered into an ankle lock by Benoit. We yep. tie it up. Kurt Angle is absolutely desperate. He's fucking like a shark who smelled blood. He's trying to pick that ankle. And Benoit at this point realizes his best bet is just to go for the ropes. Hold on because he hasn't got as much left in the tank. Kurt Angle pulls him out into the ring. We get him in the ankle lock and the bell is just about to ring. Seven seconds to go. It's a tie at three to three. Benoit does tap but only after the bell. And in an odd moment, which shows you you should always have someone ready in the back to make an announcement, the referee, Mike Yoda, demanding they get in. You get in the ring, you give me overtime. It was just a bit bit strong for Mike Yoda to be like, Benoit, Angle, get your ass in the ring. Oh, we've got to see a winner, baby. (laughs) I know, but that feels like the face has to challenge the, the, the heel or an authority figure. Mate, the face is lying face down on the floor right now. He's yeah. just got his ass handed to him. And Jim Ross, like, this happened so quickly. Jim Ross, you know, he hasn't got time to get his verbiage in. He just goes, hey, Paul, no kiss, your sister's here. No. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely little sequence. Cross face, tap, Benoit wins. It was, it was a match that I was literally at pains to love. I, that's that's you it. Know? I was like, I remembered that, like, I, in fact, I may have even said on our WrestleMania 17 review, like, oh, this is oh, good, this but the next one, yeah, yeah. oh, baby. And so I was sat here like, oh, come on, this is going to be my fucking match of the night. And the whole time, I was almost telling myself off, like, you should be enjoying this more. Why aren't you enjoying it? I think it's maybe the first time, though, when nostalgia almost always comes back to play with us when it's like did like something like you know the, the magical elements of the brothers of destruction did that live up or did this gimmick or this angle mm. or this character or this feud it's very rare that us particularly because like you and i aren't like big fans of, you know japanese wrestling or work grade stuff or anything like that no, we, we've been gushing about dutch the queensberry rules but i don't think i've ever had a time where 
I've had nostalgia for a work race match. That's it. A technical match. Not like. lived up to it. Almost every instance where I I remember as a kid being like, oh, that match was like really good, like kind of you know moves wise or technical wise, well you know, a, a modern match that feels like kind of ahead of its time almost. Mm. Those always live up to the hype and then some. And I feel like as an older guy who's watched more wrestling. You know, we both actually benefit from the benefit of hindsight going, oh, there's all the stuff they're doing here that we wouldn't have recognized before. But this did kind of, it did not live up to the hype. It's, it's a really hard I can't sell. believe I'm saying that. I know, and I'm really surprised that I felt the same way. But I think it is just purely the ultimate submission match. That's a hell of a match on paper. Yeah. But fuck me, it is actually hard to like, the psychology of it and to make you like invested in it and excited the whole way through. That's really like Iron Man matches are a tough sell in the first place. Oh yeah, yeah. You restrict it to something like this where you've got no near falls or anything, and it is even tougher. Even for two of the most talented wrestlers in the world, like Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, it's a very, very hard challenge. And I kind of like made a rule to myself like, don't just mention AEW during this match. But mm. this match did make me think like I'd love to see this stipulation done in a company that's not as averse to so many of the elements in this actual match that would make it a great match. That's it. I wonder if it could be done in a you know, day setting like. i don't feel like these guys were like oh their hands were tied there's nothing they could do no i don't feel like that at all but i do feel that there was elements of it that like just that the crowd wasn't ready for it like it kind of felt like you know maybe your kids were like that one time yeah, night, yeah genuinely know? i think that is part of it is that the crowd it was it was hard for me to be excited about it when the crowd are clearly having such a fucking tough time with it but i just kind of you know to fantasy book in my head for one little second because i do fucking love me some AEW. don't get me wrong mm. and in 2022 i'm very excited for you know 99 of what they offer me but like i think of a match like this that's built up but I know in advance that one of the wrestlers in it, who's a submission god, has used 10 different submissions to end 10 different matches. Yes. Mm-hmm. That would immediately help me. There's nothing that Benoit or Kurt Angle could do about the problems that were going to no. come up in this match. And maybe a more exciting story would have been like, you have a submission specialist taking on someone that isn't really known for submissions, yes. and it's like a fish out of water match. And it's like, oh, how are they going to survive? They did it with, with Rock and Benoit, if you remember. Yeah. Earlier. That was cool, but... I was left wanting in a match that I was convinced I'd be glowing about. Likewise. You know, strange. That's what happens. Fair you know? play to both men. They did like they did their jobs admirably, but yeah. I just feel like, mm, just didn't connect. I don't think it's a them problem. I think it's a you, WWE. It's you. It's your the, yeah. problem. Like. Backstage, the Brothers of Destruction having a little bad time chat. A silent little argument here. What do you think they're arguing about? Kane's arm. Yeah? Yes, I didn't know what they're talking about here, but then what happens in the match... Uh, later on, maybe think they're talking about Kane's arm. Kane, you've been jerking off again. I told you you need to rest <laughs> that arm, You know he likes Playboy. Just because his face is burnt doesn't mean the rest of him is, Kevin. <laughs> you got to let that arm heal, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Truly the best of Kane. Backstage as well. Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, they're watching the Brothers of Destruction backstage. Right. For the, fuck's sake. There's, like, there's no quiet Austin the, to the drag them down. The original picture in picture right here, folks. Th- there's no quiet Austin to drag their energy levels down. Maybe we'll get some classic Triple H and Stephanie here. Oh, it looks like things aren't so good for the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah, that's right. Looks like you're going to have an easy job tonight. I'm like, honestly, I'm at the point where I'm like, someone fucking throw a pie at this lady. Give me give me back my Stephanie McMahon, fuckers. Give us some fucking energy, please. Yeah, come on. All right, time for a last man standing match. No more BS, Paul Weish. Taking on no more job, Shane McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> I got no dad, no Aww. job, no. <laughs> I got no stock options. <laughs> this 
he must have a job. He called out Hulk Hogan for a match. Things are clearly going great for Shane right now. Oh, baby. Fuck me. Well, we get to rhyme again. Oh, we get to see more fucking highlights from the Beanstalk promo. You know what this is? Like, you ever had a situation? I was really worried this was going to happen for me recently because I hadn't ordered Papa John's pizza in like 10 years and for my birthday the last two years I'm like I'm going to order Papa John's and I'm going to get all the horrible racist sides <laughs> the stuffed crust all the fucking you know the shitty dips that are, they're like paint you know like, give me all of them you know and the last two years when I had tried it there had been issues you know like for whatever reason like there was an oven broken in my local or whatever right so they opened a second one and this year I finally did it and all the time it was coming I was thinking oh god I'm going to regret this now it's not going to be as good the nostalgia play it was great but if it had been bad it would have been like this which is reminding yourself that something is bad but having to have three helpings of it in one fucking I've, evening I've wondered what, I'm trying to remember where we were going with this you're talking about the beanstalk it's fuck too many times on this pay-per-view alone this promo is so bad it made you talk about pizza instead it made me talk about pizza that may get me cancelled <laughs> I crossed the line there like, you know. and don't get me wrong I didn't feel good about myself for many reasons afterwards good Physical and mental. Good, good. But uh, yeah, don't show me that beanstalk bullshit ever again. Ever again. Leave it be now. I was genuinely sitting down to this, right? Going, it's been a bad time with Shane McMahon because yeah. I reviewed every single pay per view that fucker did when he just was all over that show. Mm-hmm. All that I did on How to Rest and him fucking teaming with Drew McIntyre to take on Roman Reigns. All that yeah. fucking weird shit. Him and, him and the Revival, like, my what? boys. You know, really great stuff. I watched him and fucking Miz. I watched him and Daniel Bryan be the general manager of SmackDown. Yep. And I, you know, a lot of weird fucking shit. I reviewed Raw Underground. Yep. Three times! Yep, you've seen it all. And I thought, you know what? This fucker, he's... Kendall Royd himself in the year 2022. Big time. That fucking Royal Rumble I will never forgive him for and I will never forget. <laughs> and I thought, safe pair of hands. Let's go back to the time where I literally jumped for joy when I saw a Shane McMahon action figure in Toys R Us. Yeah. And he's got a fucking hockey top and everything. It's ah! him. You know, like the Shane McMahon toy that I held and go, will today be the day I try and tip X in Houston? We've got a problem on the back. <laughs> you know, just like... The biggest fan. This was my favorite wrestler Absolutely. in the world at the time. Yeah. And my God, he's not, he's like not a cool character. No. He's rudderless. Well, I mean, at the, at, the, at, the time, at the time, he was very cool. Like, people were into yeah. the fucking Beanstalk promo. You see the crowd popping for the fucking book when he comes out they with it. They love it, like. baby. But looking back now, yeah, it is fucking weird. It's cringy. And it is rudderless and aimless here. You're the fucking owner of WCW. What are you fucking doing reading out this children's book every five minutes? <laughs> sort yourself out. But, like, I'm still, in spite of all that, excited to see him in the big show. Oh, because how could you not be, Shane man? McMahon in any sort of a gimmick match. Yes. And I think that is ultimately why we loved him all those kids is because Shane McMahon's the guy who's going to do a crazy stunt and I'm sitting here waiting for the first match since Wrestlemania for him to do a crazy stunt and whatever about the big show how he's been booked lately how he's been acting lately you can't deny he is big he is very good at being big he and seeing absolutely. Shane McMahon go up against a very big man that in itself is an attraction right, I'm very excited to hear the very first time we heard the Shane McMahon money music yeah a primordial mix that's it this ain't normal like this is a different rap and a different mix no dollar dollar here no no like, I remember telling my friends that Shane McMahon had new music and no one believed me and I was like <laughs> alright I need to find new wrestling friends <laughs> <laughs> 
Within 30 seconds of Big Show coming out, JR uses the word motivate. Oh, come on! <laughs> Vince McMahon earlier tonight making sure that Big Show was adequately uh, motivated to do the job here. Well, the, like, the OVW buff hasn't, you know, reset. Mm, they can't send him back to remote. buff? Jesus Christ. Jim Ross also says, Big Show, Paul, he ain't no valedictorian. Eh? He means he's stupid. He's dumb. Shane McMahon uses trickery on the big show, hiding under the ring. Some stiff kendo stick shots for the big oh, man, though. Yeah, seriously. He's eating them right on the button. He also gets a few shots of the book. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it now. You've done it. You've used poison it. poison him like. That's the end of that. Fucking awful. And straight out of Smoky Mountain Wrestling. What's that, Jim Ross? I smell that's ether. He's got ether. What's going on? I genuinely, before I remembered it was ether, the last time we've seen an image like this on SmackDown Crawl was Patterson's underwear. So I was like, that's a weird throwback. Oh, oh, no, wait, it's ether. An odd pop is the one you get for using ether as a baby face. That's it. Because it? Like, we're bit, slowly poisoning Big him. Show literally fades oh, away. And everyone's like, Shane yeah. Shane Shane <laughs> Oh. The last time we saw this happen was the big boss man locking him in a room and gassing him to yeah, death. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit much. Now, forgive me now, I was I'm very 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 down the dumps about Shane McMahon at this point in time. So there was a lot working against me, mm. and I just watched a match where my nostalgic glasses were shattered. So I was at this point kind of going, "All right, like this is taking a bit now. Kind yeah. of, let, let's get going here, folks." And that was not helped by Vince McMahon's running. Who sprinted out like oh. he was fixing a problem. Honestly, I was watching them quads like, you be careful now, like, man. Audibles are being gone. Yeah. He fucking darts out like a bullet bill here. I, I was so disappointed because I genuinely hoped for a second there he ha he was going to have like smelling salts to revive the big show or something, but <laughs> show's fine. Nah, he's just fucking wailing away on the sun with a chair. Jesus Christ. I'd rather eat a big bowl of Vince McMahon family potatoes than this. A stiff as fuck. I would have forgotten again about WCW. The only man who said anything was Paul Heyman. He's yeah. like, look at that, Jim Ross. The owner of WWF has just attacked the owner of WCW. Nothing's that. Let's, nope. let's, let's, let's hang there. We nice don't know. try. Bless you for trying, Paul. Big brain, big show. Paul White breaks the count at eight for a big choke slam. That's it. Something happens here, Adam. I'm not entirely sure what the man was saying because... I'm always looking for new members of the Who's the Men Club. Okay. You know, this is just for men who say, Who's the Man? Right. And Big Show does say, I, either I am a or the man. But he's like, and He may succeed breaking the body, but he'll never break that McMahon fighting spirit. What? And then he instructs the audience to kneel before me uh, what well it's the king show oh king show king show there's an idea crank it up and get on your knees like kneel before me what are you on about me yeah no more democracy paul white he wants to rule with an iron fist bless him uh, we have a king show it's called babar it's on tv <laughs> so let's out of you yeah and you know what, as well, he was friendly. He wouldn't be all unmotivated and a cruel <laughs> bully, so. <laughs> what was that fucking evil, the heel? And who worked heel in Babar? <laughs> you know, the, the rhino committed war crimes. So who was he? It was awful what he did to the fucking women and children of Babar's kingdom. Monster. 
<laughs> Big Show with a nod to WCW with the shitty torture rack. Would have made Lex Luger blush this one. Oh God, I know. Black. You know he's he's trying something new. Something new. Something, something new. Good on him for giving it a go. He's got the final cut going from yeah, as well. Yeah, we did get a, a final cut that got I think like a nine count That's in this it. one. Yeah, you know? he's, he's trying new things. He'll he'll pick up the alley oop before too long. I tell you what, test with the fucking the shot of the century here. You got to hit that target, boy. Oh. The big boot on Big Show as he's doing the torture rack. That was some precision stuff there. Remind me how Test got involved in this again. Because he's not like... He's Shane's buddy. Is it that? I thought it yeah. was less that he liked Shane and more that he hated Show. Because Big Show like fucked him up during a match for some reason. No, they've like... basically like they've implied that Shane and... Shane and Test have been buddies since he's come back. They kind of implied that... You know, they mentioned here, oh, this time was almost his brother-in-law. But uh, since yeah. the Love Her Lever match, they've always been buddy-buddy. Like even when Test was a heel and a Frigine Bannerman, yep. he was he was cool with Shane. They did a few winks and nods to that over the time. And the idea here is now is that they are both have a personal relationship, but Test is actively kind of courting you know, the idea that he might go to WCW. Ah, uh, yeah. And Test is meant to be the original kind of like, oh, okay, because Test is meant to be the cool youngster who's got a future. And the idea of him going to WCW is saying like, well, maybe that's where the cool youngsters with a future might go. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Isn't it? Wouldn't that be great? And the big name being discussed right now, he is negotiating with Jim Ross to potentially <gasps> be the voice of WCW on Saturday nights. Oh, Jerry the King Lawler might be coming back. Oh, bless. Because the idea of the built-in storyline is that Vince McMahon, because he got, there was, you know, because Jerry went and told everyone. Oh. He got a bit of public traction in Memphis, you know, that he got fired. So he'd be the guy speaking shit about Vince McMahon on the other show. Yeah. Not a bad shout. That would be good. But he's got a non-negotiable, which is Cat needs a job, and Vince McMahon ain't moving the dial. Uh-uh, nope. that ain't happening. Don't worry, Andrew McManus has got a nice offer for you that you can turn down and, and then he... receive a slightly smaller offer afterwards. Yeah, move over to Town West. we got a brown paper bag deal for you here in the oh. WWE. <laughs> and it's not full of t-shirts, it's full of unmarked bills. So uh, <laughs> they bop up the ramp, go for a little bit up there. Big Show, who's been peppered with weapon shots, comes out with his own big stick, and he's like, I like that. It's good. It was like the final form of the boss. Yeah, I like Big Show. I like it when he has his own big weapons as well. It's nice. He nearly brained himself on them hooks, though, when he's chasing after Shane. Oh, God, those are scary, they are. Yeah, like right in the back of the head, like because they're kind of wobbling already, and they do move a bit, but Mm -hmm. like that is probably one of the scariest structures. I think you probably wouldn't be allowed to put that up now because of health and safety and all that. (laughs) But the crowd are already know what's coming as soon as he's up that ramp. I mean, it's 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 pretty obvious. Like it happened at SummerSlam with Blackman, and he literally in the Beanstalk promo he kept saying like, but they showed it three times where he's like, I'm gonna fucking jump off the Beanstalk, mate. Like now it is odd because we mostly just see Shane starts climbing and he goes out of camera, he zips up there yeah. as well, and you just get the camera which is on Big Show and Tess, and Tess and Tess is like, come on, come on, come on, do it, do it, do it. And it's on there for a bit long where you can kind of go, all right, this is very gimmicky looking what is set up this landing yeah. pad. And what was odd is that the audience were chanting, holy shit, before Shane even yeah. was Just up there. anticipation of it. like. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a big spot that was planned by WWE where it almost felt like... I kind of feel like I'm a bit, being a bit generous given the benefit of the doubt here, but we didn't see Shane on the top. Right. We didn't see him look up and then look down. We didn't see him bless himself. We saw all that in the replays. Yes. What we pretty much just see was Shane McMahon go Bleh! and come yeah. out of nowhere. And then the match kind of ends as Tess get him up on the on the camera arm and he moves him out of there to beat the 10 count. But then we get replay after replay. All the angles. Amazing angles. And it almost felt like they were like, doesn't matter about this because this is just going to be about the replay later on. Yeah. But when the spot happened, then Jim Ross literally was like, 
And I thought Mick Foley was a, that was this is on a whole other level. Didn't I, need to say that. Like. It's just that when we saw Mankind go off the hell in the cell, the camera shot straight away. The first thing you saw, that's the iconic. That's the shot. one that becomes iconic. And yeah. when we saw Shano and Steve Blackman, we saw the iconic shot. Yeah. We didn't see the iconic shot until after the match. And I just thought that was weird. It was like. You were so set up for the replays that I didn't get the moment. Yeah. And I think that actually worked against the match because I didn't see the Shane McMahon diving off the top of the Titan Tron. I saw Big Show have a lie down, Tesco, come on, and then go bloop. I liked it. I thought, because you, you, you're right, you do get a lot of test and show faffing around. And then the shot that they actually show you when Shane falls is a really far away wide shot. And you can't actually see the big show in this shot. You just see Shane fall into, like, oblivion. And I like that when you don't see where the person lands. Same as when Undertaker chokeslam Triple H into, like, nothingness at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see it from another angle. It's like, oh, he landed on a mattress. Like, I quite liked that myself. The sort of, like, he just disappears off screen. Yeah, he scrambles up and all that. But it is still one of the most spectacular spots i think every time you see the replay you realize more and more that he came not within an arse oh nowhere near him nowhere near him (laughs) but like that's all fans want to see they want to see a big big bang and they want to see a big spot and i do think something that really really sticks with me is that shane looks down always when he does these spots yeah and i can't think you know it was the wisest thing for your guts to do that but also you probably do need to because if you misjudge that by oh. a millimeter, and he did misjudge it, but if you misjudge it anymore, it would have been a bad time indeed. Mm. You know, that is a big, big, big drop. I'd say he's probably a good 30 feet there, not 50, as they say. But. No, it's probably, yeah, I'd say 30 is probably realistic, but like. I mean, I, I don't know if he did miss. I feel like the intention was to miss the Big Show, right? There's no way you could land on Big Show from that. Yeah, high. I think it's kind of like, you know... It Kill the man. Lie parallel to him. That's kind it. Of and from the right angle, it'll look like you've hit him, maybe. But then they show you the angle where it's like, oh, no, he didn't. There was no way near him. This is, this is what made Shaman Man like a legend in all our... In all our minds. That's like, it. The, the Blackman know. thing is like a one-off. Like, whoa, that'll never happen again. That made that Blackman was... seem like a legend. This made Shane seem like a legend, I think. I don't know. I'd say Shane kept... Shane got the rub from that first crazy spot, even if it was him falling rather than diving. But that And felt... that was backwards as well, which is actually probably fucking scarier in yeah. many respects. But that felt like a sort of like, oh my God, that was insane. The fact that he did it again here is like, oh, okay, this guy actually has a reputation for this now then. like, And this is what sort of cements him as being like, not the guy that did that one crazy thing. It's the guy that does crazy things full stop. Like, I was interested to know, like, because Shane McMahon, as we all have learned in later years, really, really was enthusiastic about being a character in wrestling. Mm-hmm. And... I wondered how far he wanted to go with this, honestly. Yeah. You know, he was the man who was unironically wanting to be in the Elimination Chamber and main event pay-per-view <laughs> WrestleMania, <laughs> title matches and all that. Jesus He's Christ. one of the hottest guys in wrestling, you know? I mean, yeah. After is, this, I think. Yeah, you know? he's super over around this period and everything, but I think that that would have immediately dissolved if he'd have been putting himself in main events. I don't think that the amount of, like... It's like, you know, Crash Holly was really over. Yeah, Let's yeah. put him in a match with Steve Austin. No, no, that's not going to work. Backstage, Vince McMahon is upset. And he approaches Stephanie and informs Triple H, Also, now you are my only son. Yeah, she says, I only have one son. And his name is Nick Khan. I mean, Triple, Triple H. H. I love that he says Triple H. Not even Hunter Hearst no. Hansley. Triple H. And Triple H is like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Thanks. He- I don't have any energy anymore because I'm doing a boring gimmick now. And then Stephanie's like, does that 
mean we're inbred now? What the oh. hell is this? Hold on a minute, player. It's time for what an unpatented caption contest. And Kevin and Adam are just about to witness something incredibly grim indeed. Adam, uh, hi there. The old caption contest. Nice to have you back with me. What's the old uh, picture du jour? Well, it's a dark-sided period of time we're doing here and how appropriate that we've got such, maybe possibly the most dark-sided caption contest ever. It's a one-two punch, this. It's Steve Blackman sat in WWF New York with a big old spread of fucking minging food. A big old spread, and he looks like he has been caught eating this food and he's not allowed to. <laughs> in that kind of inescapable Steve Blackman way, like he's undercover for a bounty hunting assignment, you know. <laughs> so I lay low here among the tiddlers, and he's been caught out. <laughs> Bloody red-handed. Hey, the caption contest today is sponsored by our good old friends at the Budgeons and Dragons podcast. Adam, Budgeons and Dragons is an unfair actual play podcast with a very simple goal. Through the medium of Dungeons and Dragons, you have to find a scratch card for your mum from the local Budgeons and then give it to her. Now, this is very exciting for me because the fancy town near, not the town where Joe and I lived, but the mm -hmm. fancy town near where Joe and I lived used to have a Budgeons, okay. and it seemed like a fantastic place to go and grab your groceries. And I'm guessing you, you must have bought a scratch card from there at some point in the past, right? Well, much like fellow wrestling podcaster Raven, I love <laughs> scratch-offs, so if I was in a Budgeons, chances are I'd want to get a scratch-off. But the catch here is, with this podcast and this game, is that it's extremely unfair, and everything you say ah. or do will kill you with the roll of a dice. <laughs> Almost everyone dies by the time the game ends, and then a new loop starts. It's brought to us by our buddies Eddie and Alex O'Keefe. They brought a sitcand, which Adam, you and Billy have both appeared on in the past. Yes, a great fun time with the sitcand gang. Eddie is a wonderful podcast host, and I'm very, very happy that he is sponsoring the caption contest today. Yeah, I'm very happy to have them on board. I'm very happy to be appearing on sitcand myself in the future, but make sure you check out Budgets and Dragons. It is really a unique spin on the old D&D playthrough as a podcast. There's an emphasis on silliness and creativity, one guest decided to be Mario once. One guest decided to be a lion. One guest tried to be a scratch card Ooh. to win and game the game. It's available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple. And they also have done live shows at Boards and Bites in Cheltenham. And the best way to find out all the details about the podcast is on their social media. The Twitter and the Instagram is at Budgeons Dragons. So check them out. Thanks for sponsoring the caption contest. And if you have got a podcast, a website, a project, a product, or a thing that you want the tens of thousands of Attitude Era podcast listeners to get their ears in front of, send us an old message at patreon.com forward slash AE podcast. We will have some upcoming slots available for the debut of season five, whatever that will be. Mm. <laughs> and no, you can't sponsor the caption contest to find out what the episode is. Although I welcome <laughs> you to try. Adam, you've got a whole load of You've got a whole load of captions there on the Twitter at AE Podcast. Yep. And I'm over here at Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Podcast trying to get to grips with the ever-changing hellscape that is the interface of this goddamn social media website. But I've got captions as well. Adam, give them to me. Well, I've got 250-something over here, oh. so, you know. Okay, we're going to kick things off here with Burt Cocaine, who says, Steve Blackman, I am never going to financially recover from this, JR. <laughs> 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 it's just like there's something about going to WWF New York 
to have like you know a really serious meeting yep. about your fiduciary status mm. i think that is a very steve blackman set of affairs there stephen porter well i have a feeling the bathroom and me are about to have a hardcore brawl <laughs> Wrestle falls here. Hey, they forgot my side order of head cheese. <laughs> hey now, head cheese I've heard is is delicious. Apparently mm. it's some sort of like a weird textured rustic billy roll without a face or any faces you see within it are purely incidental like a cloud or whatnot. See now I literally just pictured Chesty McCheeserton from Wrestlemania and his like his oh. scary little face which I, I don't want to fucking eat that. No. One here from Matthew Mikalovich. As it slipped into its third hour of uncomfortable silence, the winner of Win a Date with Steve Blackman at WWF <laughs> New York really began to regret their life choices. <laughs> Paul D. Watts says, No, 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 Steve. When I said you have to eat plates and plates of shit, it was a <laughs> metaphor. Yes. Well, he's the champion. They're coming for him. <laughs> J. Bro Dobbins here. Steve Blackman risking a second case of dysentery tucks into a meal at WWF. Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> it's like that reality show that you and I were watching recently, The Island, and when it ends, they oh, all go and they have a big God. old feed and get it into themselves. <laughs> and then they talk to camera about how they have diarrhea for an hour straight, but they've got a big smile. Like, yeah, it's so great, man, you know? I love eating at WWF New York. Yeah, my piss looks like Guinness, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> One here from Jake Burden Stoko. I'm Steve Blackman, a combat sports fanatic who's held just about every job in the restaurant business. But now I'm on a mouth-watering mission to find America's greatest pig-out spots and take on its legendary eating challenges. I'm no competitive eater, just a lethal weapon with a serious appetite. <laughs> yes! We had a number of those over on Twitter with the caption of Blackman versus food. Perfect stuff. <laughs> The squig here saying this buffet is going to end one way or another. <laughs> Sam Long here. Welcome to Blackman's Kitchen Nightmares. I'm currently here at Hogan's Hangout Bar and Grill. The menu is lackluster and bland. The owner and manager mistreats his staff. Can I turn it around? Let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> Torbjorn Frazier here with... And this is just for me and you, Kevin. Yay! I, these are my favourite ones. Ladies and gentlemen, the Roadhouse is proud to welcome the Nine Inch Nail. <laughs> Oliver Hope here. Unfortunately, the kitchen had run out of Blackman chops, so Steve had to settle for a plate of brass onion rings. <laughs> Scutter Monroe. And now for another edition of Boss Man Behaving Badly. This week, he's only gone and fed Steve Blackman a Chester McCheeseburger. <laughs> Matty Deller here. Dear Lord, what a sad little life, JR. You ruined my life completely. So you could have the money, but I hope you spend it on getting some lessons in grace and decorum because you have all the grace of a reversing dump truck without any tires on. <laughs> John Jeffrey Balcom Dulong here. Superintendent Blackman, I hope you're ready for a lethal luncheon. <laughs> and you know what? That's a good Simpsons one because you gave us a little bit of that fucking alliteration in there, there as well. Go. I'm liking that. Beautiful. David Porter here. Here you go. Here I am. Uncle Steve. Thank you, ma'am. This will be a treat. Uncle Steve, here I am. 
while you eat. <laughs> I like how that we've taken it upon ourselves, Jared. Yeah. You know, in fairness, though, before this, Adam was like, what's Steve Blackman sound like? I'm like, well, Literally. remember that promo he did once? Remember it's that the, one it's time? the only source of reference we have for a Steve Blackman impersonation. I mean, we have seen the pilot episode of the Blackman Bounty Hunter service, but my yes. mind has kind of overlapped itself and convinced myself that was an episode of Nathan for you and not a real actual <laughs> thing that actually happened. The other thing you can do is anytime we do an impression, just put in a little sound effect of some nunchucks going underneath it like that'll sound just as good alejandro crawler here enjoy these captions folks this is the closest we're getting to new episodes of the it's raw podcast oh buddy ouch all i'll say folks those of you who are waiting and those of you who are messaging me it's not as if i don't have form for stopping a podcast for a while and then starting it again (laughs) as a matter of fact i think how to wrestling is the only podcast i've started that's not taken the sabbatical for a little bit (laughs) We are figuring it out. We're getting a new mic set up because the three of us are very different sounding people and we're no longer doing it over Skype in the middle of a pandemic. Uh-huh. So we're refiguring it out. We want it to be right and we'll be coming back. And when we do, it'll be fucking great. And guess what? If you're listening going, Kitchen Nightmares podcast, what's over? Pod crabs, go check it out wherever you get your audio. We've only done a bunch of episodes of a Kitchen Nightmares podcast. Mm. And more will be coming before you know it. Now, that's Kevin's answer. What I was going to say was that we'll do more It's Raw episodes over my dead body. I fucking hate Gordon Ramsay. It's the last thing I want to talk about. Yeah, particularly if you hear Adam on his streams, he won't be having any of us. None uh-uh. of that Gordon Ramsay. Absolutely not. Here's my favorite one, Scott Newman. And now, coming to you live from WWF New York, Steve Snackman. He fucking done him there, man. Beautiful. Wrestling referees are wizards, and they said here in brackets, admittedly, this is a very low effort energy, but... (laughs) (laughs) I like to imagine the alien is literally just around the corner at a different table. I'm just saying, though, if we look it up on SmackDown Crawl, that alien disappeared right around the time WWF New York appeared with their menu, in inverted commas. I wonder who's working in the kitchen. I'm just saying they're fucking turned him into meat, mate. Is what it is. Like. <laughs> oh, no. Those poplars that are they're selling there in WF New York, they've got a dirty secret. It turns out it's a rare alien. Yeah, we thought that was an alien, mate. It was fucking Abe from Abe's Odyssey, pal. They're eating him. <laughs> WWF New York is us. <laughs> <laughs> this is truly a Smackdown Crawl special report. It really is. Chaz Porch here with a beautiful season three reference. Just leave it, Bob. It's just a WCW shirt, mate. You're not worth it. Come on, come on. Come here, we'll eat some onion rings, mate. It'll be all right. Eddie O'Keefe here, who is the sponsor of this caption contest as well, is also double dipping by entering himself. Oh! Saying, hi, I'm Steve Blackman, and this is my tiny shriveled arm. And if you look there, he has got a, he's got a wee little arm tucked behind his back, bless him. How about that? There's Steve Blackman with his little arm. Uh, ben Edwards here with the deep cut Ultimate Warrior being scolded take. I found about this when I did the How To Wrestling episode about the Ultimate Warrior, and it was uh, a great time. If you've not seen this footage, look at the Ultimate Warrior being made to apologize and be like, <laughs> and this man be like, do your job, you big fucking monster. <laughs> so here's Ben Edwards. I don't want to do this, Vince. Steve, it's food. It's all it is. It's a work. You're working. I don't want to. This is disgusting. 
It's a work. Your working is the most cutting fucking thing. I know, feedback. right? Like, if that is the closest Vince McMahon can turn to a man making seven figures and say, do your fucking job. <laughs> Take your drugs, do your job, and let's get fucking cracky. Let's work. <laughs> Colin Patch, when you're at the boss man's house for Thanksgiving dinner and you realize the dog is missing. Oh, no. Sam Edwards, Lionel Hutz defending Steve Blackman in Wrestler's Court. Does this look like a man who had all he could eat? <laughs> Blyman looks seriously like he's... Whatever about the facials there, he ain't full. No, no, definitely not. Real tweet man here who says, no caption, it's just Steve Blackman doing the Brian Butterfield diet plan sketch. <laughs> to which Paul D. Watts responded with the Nitro Grill menu, but read out by Brian Butterfield. A Booker T bone steak, turnbuckle apple pie, heavyweight hot fudge sundae. <laughs> Call now. Chili Morrison here. Hey, Steve, pal. I hope you like MSG in New York. Madison Square Garden. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hey, now, come on. We need to do a bit of public service here, Kevin. MSG yeah, is good. That's it's true. fine. We've invoked It's Raw, the podcast, and, uh -huh. and we've invoked MSG, monosodium glutamate. And I'll tell you all, folks, there's been a number of times we sat around to record and have eaten a mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. What's the secret ingredient? It may be MSG. New thinking, new drinking, yeah? <laughs> change your change your output on it, yeah? For Scythia Helltiger here, he says, three hours into the shoot interview, Steve Blackman sees an opportunity to get another plate of ribs from the interviewer by claiming he has indisputable evidence that the Montreal screw job was a work. I <laughs> I love the idea of a wrestler just like, how can I stretch this shoot out and get some more food out of these <laughs> yeah, they, like, Sauce all over their mouth. Let me tell you what was going on with Earl as well. Uh, Brandon Carlson, Triple H voice off camera. Try the hummus. <laughs> Okay, I think we've got a great one here to round us out on Twitter from Derek Wright's Plays. To the sound of Steve Blackman's entrance theme. Appetizers, 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 appetizers. Shrimp platter, shrimp platter, shrimp platter, shrimp platter, shrimp platter, shrimp platter. Well, those are fucking fantastic. And a farewell to Steve Blackman, someone who we saw briefly in season four somehow. And I didn't think we'd have a look at him here in 2001. Let's treasure the last few moments, if we get any, over on the SmackDown crawl with old Blackman here because he's always been a fave, Adam. And it's nice to see him get featured in a caption contest. Yeah, even if it is under the worst possible circumstances. Okay, well, we're going to hit the blue light now. Me and Adam are going to do some glow-in-the-dark kendo tricks and then uh, boogie on out here. Back to Backlash. Don't forget to check out Budgeons and Dragons, B-U-D-G-E-N-S, mm, Dragons, wherever you get your audio and on the socials. But for now, it's time to go back to the past. It's time to go back to Backlash. No. No! Don't do this to me now. No! This is meant to be. This is meant to be like the good show that we all missed out on. It's meant no. to be a nice trip down. It's it's actually been a little bit harder to watch this than I thought it would be, and not for the. I thought all oh, will be dark side of the show. We'll see some really dark stuff like we've seen on SmackDown. But unlike SmackDown, when we're crawling, it's only a nice eighty minute jaunt. Will be grand, but this is three hours. Oh boy, we're ready for this. Yeah, we, we were expecting dark sided, but the dark sided stuff will be a work. It won't be like a shoot dark sided thing. No, this is shoot dark. This is this is sad. Steve Blackman with a spread at WWF New York no. straight out of Tom Goes to the Mayor. Oh, it's all ice cold. Just sit down there as Jim Ross is like, Steve Blackman, you have been in an incredible match with Shane McMahon and you you sent him sailing off the top of the Tantron. Shane McMahon went off the top of the Tantron again to now. What are your thoughts on what's happening? 
Steve? Oh, oh Steve? Hey, hey, JR, how uh, are Steve, you doing? Uh, Steve, sorry. How are you Steve, doing? Sorry. Steve, you th- your thoughts on Shane McMahon, Steve? How are you doing, JR? Yeah, it's all ice cold. Your thoughts on Shane McMahon, Steve? Shane McMahon's a good kid. Oh, yeah! Oh, no, it's Brian Christopher! Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm anxious about my partner being injured, and I think my days are numbered. Oh, yeah, baby! Oh, oh yeah! God! This is the exact same energy that made him run through a bus in the WWE. Yeah, genuinely. Oh, oh he's demonic here. It is terrifying. And literally... Literally, oh god, we put a call out on Patreon. We always do this. We ask people, like, let us know. I regretted this. If you got some fun trivia or news from around this time, please feel free to share with us. (laughs) I was looking at the. I swear to god. (laughs) You messaged me. I swear to god. It was on my iPad. I was looking at the clip of Steve Blackman sat in WWF New York, and then at the top of the screen, directly above him, a notification appeared with someone commenting, Oh, this pay per view is the last pay per view appearance of Steve Blackman. He didn't even get to beat AWF New York during the Alliance No, bit. he wasn't there for that. Yeah, the highlight of this one is Grandmaster Sexay informing us that the big show Paul White just got booyahed by Shane McMahon. Oh, God. So, Steve Blackman is gone, assumedly, out of embarrassment. He might still be on the crawl. We might see him on the crawl, at least. We might get a nice little farewell to him and Brian Christopher. I hope so. Coming up next... Ooh. This is, with the last episode of SmackDown we did before this, I was telling you, like, I am, I have been sold on this show because they ran down the card and all the undercard stuff was making me fucking hop on yeah. one leg. And I know just recently did Eddie Guerrero for How To, and, you know, these one of those guys where put on any random match with the right opponent, you're probably going to get something fucking special with Undoubtedly. him. And Eddie has been a workhorse on SmackDown. Even during this time, as I now know, this is, like, probably one of Eddie's darkest periods probably only time worse than this for him would have been you know while he was on the roster maybe 1999 WCW when he came back Mm -hmm. you know six months after being in that car wreck which much like Regal that was caused as we learned in the Bibliotech GHB baby that fucking evil poison that came in two liter bottles that you could buy over the counter in a pharmacy Eddie's in a bad way here Mm -hmm. Eddie's in a bad way to the point where his radical buddies Dean Malenko and Perry Saturn and even Benoit are literally going to Jim Ross and saying he's showing up to work fucked up and you need yep. to fire him because we're worried it's going to reflect on us. That's it. We're not covering for him anymore. We're actually actively campaigning for you to get rid of him, please. Uh, because as they really unfortunately said in the Eddie Guerrero documentary WWE did, oh. Dean Malenko's like, I didn't want to find my fa- friend dead in a hotel room, which yeah. is, you know, unfortunately exactly what happened with Eddie years later. Not yeah. to say that they didn't kind of... Not that he didn't get help, I think Eddie Guerrero was like, you know, there were a lot of problems that kind of, you know, filled up his his card quite quickly, let's just say. Mm. He was struggling with a bad heart. I say all this because I had to go back and double-check my notes from How To to be sure that Eddie Guerrero was two months away from working the indies and, like, fucking Coventry and Ring of Honor and wrestling, you know... A young CM Punk and you know Rey Mysterio, who's between jobs. Type He'll of pop thing. up in WWE again briefly as yeah. well, like. And you wouldn't know it from here because this looks like, other than the fact that he's a little low energy in the entrance, he's not the full on. You know when you know, and Eddie's really feeling that every fucking pore yes. of his being oozes Latino heat. That character, yeah. he's a little bit more he's, sedate here. He's calmed down significantly, but since. he looks 
He looks look, looks perfect condition. He looks and wrestles tremendously. He doesn't look like that worrying level of muscle that he had in his later career when he was the the, the main champ or whatever, which always is honestly a bit hard to watch. I mean, I still think he's a bit too muscly here. He, there is something a bit unnatural about them his physique. big fucking arms, I guess. Yeah, yeah the veins. But you know, there's nothing about him that looks worrying. But the the fact that he is a little less over the top than he used to be. You're used to seeing Latino Heat as this big OTT character, and he is definitely toned down now. He's, he's a bit not more really serious. Got a storyline at the moment either he's just kind of like a guy who's going out to, to wrestle a match really here well, that's there. it he did have a little bit of a story on Smackdown where it was like if don't come fucking near my European title I'll kick your ass like he just challenged Grandmaster Sexay one week and then destroyed him in the ring like they were, they were trying to make a bit more of a, a serious more edge serious, yeah, after the China stuff and then randomly one week on Smackdown Matt Hardy just beats him for his European belt the week before the pay-per-view I think we know why now and that point. is like okay alarm bells there is clearly like something bad's going down backstage isn't there like, yeah and again it's worth saying this is in a company where you know Perry Saturn has said multiple times on the record he wasn't sober once the entire mm. time he was there and he's like I'm concerned about this guy yeah you know and Perry Saturn they weren't taking fucking belts off him because no. they were worried about him they fucking gave him gimmicks because that's it Perry's gonna know, have a good summer actually like he's gonna get more work than he was getting recently I mean like. as, as good as you can have after what he did to poor L Mike Bell but look we've got Matt Hardy Eddie Guerrero and Christian in a European title triple threat. you got one guy who we know we see every time we set him to SmackDown Crawl. He always gives us a great match. And we got the two guys who are pretty much the lads who we actively probably overlooked as children. Be like, oh, yeah. yeah, you know. Although at this point, I was the guy who was very sheepishly being like, Christian's actually my favourite. <laughs> I like to think that now is because I was a really smart child who understood the business yeah. and could identify wrestling's quietest general christian cage in yep. his early years putting together all the matches you were the first peep basically exactly i, I, I didn't let a peep out about it because <laughs> genuinely i was scared to tell people i liked christian as you should have been back in those <laughs> days genuinely <laughs> christian he's working heel with the glasses tonight adam oh baby yeah this i, I love this because we know that christian's just going to get a bigger and bigger heel as time goes on, on smackdown crawl like there's gonna be a little window where it's like oh these two are faces now are uh, I'm, I'm most excited about passive aggressive, you know, post King of the Ring. That's what I'm looking forward to. Let me shine that trophy up for you, big brother. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of good stuff to come for Christian. By the way, just saying as well, when I said that Perry's got a good summer coming up, I meant that he's going to be on TV lots. When he's not been recently, he's been like outside the ring, not doing out. Good, good summer for him, as in like from a viewer's point of view. As in, it could be more to the band than just his hat. He'll have a mop as That's well. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh god, yeah, we're closer to Moppy being fucked in the wood chipper as well, I just mm-hmm. realised. We'll see that too. Adam, take us through this match with some unsung heroes of 2001 Smackdown. So, right off the bat, you get the classic thing, you get in a triple threat with two baddies. Christian and Eddie team up straight away. They do the big panto, like, me and you, bop, 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 him. <laughs> and they beat him up, and they toss him outside, and then Christian immediately <laughs> betrays Eddie. <laughs> Such a little piss hand. There's some really nice, like, three-man spots in this one. Oh, it's great. You get a nice mix of of the sort of one guy rolls out and two guys fight and then every couple minutes they do a three-man spot again you never get too much of each thing it's like they have a nice balance there's that bit where they did the surfboard and then eddie did the sunset flip out of it beautiful stuff. that was cool although they were a little close to the ropes and their head bopped off and i think there's nothing scarier for me in wrestling than seeing people glance those ropes mm. because 
it doesn't. You're like, oh, it's just a rope. Boing. No, they, they are taut, baby. Yeah. Eddie puts Christian upon the top rope as if he's going to superplex him, and Matt breaks it up because he doesn't want Christian to get hurt. There was a little bit of a miscommunicado or two here in this one, we think. Not sure if it's miscommunication so much as just them not really thinking about the psychology of things like that. It just makes Matt look kind of stupid. Yeah. But Matt breaks up the superplex spot, which then leads to. Eddie picking Matt up on his shoulders and Christian, who is on the top rope, going for a doomsday device. But instead, Matt rolls through to the sunset that flip, cool. you mentioned, which looked really fucking cool. Like, Again, nice synchronicity. Like. That's the type of thing where I'm like, you know, that feels ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the type of thing I would expect to see, you know, in 2022, not 2000 and fucking one. Absolutely. It's actually quite hard to keep up with. There is a lot of, like, really fast, big, complicated spots going on here. At one point, Eddie gives Matt a couple of really fucking mean brain busters back to back. Like, I do like this mean side of Eddie Guerrero, even if he is on his way out right now. He like... works so goddamn good as a heel. Mm. It's just like, you know, damn you being beloved. <laughs> there is... People just want to cheer for this guy, you know? That's the thing there is a fucking blood curdling sound from the crowd at one point where everyone's like ah! and i'm like jesus did someone just hurt themselves it's matt taking his top off like but they shriek <laughs> like it's genuinely chilling but well, the thing is because matt knew how to work the crowd he wore an even longer sleeved top that only had patches of see-through this time so he was really working them up into a frenzy Bit of a tease, that's good like... top work there for matt hardy eddie puts matt on the top rope and he goes Hurricane Rana! (laughs) Just getting everyone all excited. Oh, that's when uh, Christian, he held on to Matt's trousers. He holds Matt's brick. That's a great fucking bit. That's it. So Eddie just falls backwards and Matt stays where he is. Working the breeshty, I like it. And then Matt drops Christian onto Eddie and does a double drop kick to both of them from the top rope. Really nice multi-man spots here. I was surprised we didn't have Lee out here with Matt because they have just uh, been kind of put together as an item on screen a week or two ago. That's been Matt's big rub as well. It's been like patently obvious that Jeff is obviously the most popular Hardy boy because he's just we had a little run with him in the Intercontinental belt yeah then Triple H took off of him so Jeff is like having a nice bit of moment in the sun and you need something with Matt and one of the things like you, you said it almost kind of flippantly on the crawl but it is a good point like Matt having a girlfriend is a rub for his character it's like hey Matt's dating Leah he must he, be pretty cool well like, yeah dude, that's it like you know and that was one of the rare occasions where I remember on the playground, folks didn't resent Matt Hardy for like being with Lee or whatever it is. Because mm. I remember there's countless examples of like when they paired up a guy and the girl, be like, ah, I fucking hate him yeah. now. I hate her now, you know. Even though, like, you know, definitely in the long run, a bit exploitative on the WWE's part. Oh, d- <laughs> a bit. But like, you Massively know, so. even in these early days when it was just kind of like, oh, you know, I kind of feel like. I feel every couple deserves to have that moment be private for them. Oh, you yeah. Know? You're an established couple. You know your ins are out. All right, let's go and do the wrestling angle and might, we might get divorced. But let them, let the start of their relationship happen without the fucking oppression of yeah. the spotlight and everyone having eyes on them. And I think that was something weird about them both is that they were never able to divorce you know, their relationship was a gimmick mm-hmm. on screen. And it's kind of hard to separate those two, particularly if you're Matt Hardy, who, you know, I don't I don't know, I can't say the same for Leah just because I don't, you know, she hasn't been as vocal about every aspect of her career as Matt has been. Well, we've not you read know, The Redemption of Amy Dumas or whatever it's called, that crazy book. Although we do it. have that book, you know, oh, she, okay. just feels, she does have her own uh, book that did come out. Yeah. So, like, you know, Matt kind of, I think there was a few times in his career where the... The, the storyline, the real life kind of got a bit muddled up. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, 
I was looking at this from a different angle. I kind of feel sorry for them in new ways every time, you yeah. know? I kind of feel like if you've been together for five years in the wrestling business and you're both wrestlers and you want to try your hand and see if your fucking relationship will fall apart. Mm. Sure, have at it, but these guys, come on. It's like, ah, there's young love. Well, not tonight there isn't. There is not a whiff of Lita on the on the show tonight. Instead, we get Edge appearing. With the most hideous top. A fucking plastic tank top. Wow, you'd be asked to leave the sex party in Hitman if you're wearing this. <laughs> We're just having fun in a butcher's. Get out of here with that weird looking top on you. He spears the fuck out of Matt. And then Jeff comes out wearing a cap. So I can only assume he's not happy. Whenever I see Jeff in a hat, I'm like, oh, you're not feeling great. Now, this is because Adam and I learned under the tree. Of the self-destruction of the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> Why did you come out in a hat? Well, we've learned now that one wearing a hat is the ultimate sign of disrespect in this business. There's five minutes of that documentary of just various legends of the business being like, and then he came out in that cap, and that was the end of the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> I was like, why do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Christian hits an unprettier on Eddie, and then Jeff hits a swanton onto Christian when he's got the cover. Twist of fate to Christian and Matt wins. A very fun, chaotic finish. Yes. Although, this has happened a lot on the crawl with the Hardy Boys, where it's like, you guys fucking cheated. I know! <laughs> you, I felt so you bad! You guys fucking cheated to win. And like, uh, you know, I don't know, I was thinking behind the scenes stuff, but I was like, do Eddie's mates hate him and kayfabe as well? Are That's they, like, it, not Eddie didn't help? have any help. No! Like, it was very, very peculiar, that. I think, again, Eddie having mates come out and help him in this match would have given him a bit too much of a shine, and they're clearly mm. trying to take the shine off of Eddie right now. Yeah, so. I, I don't know if Eddie will be around by next pay-per-view, but... I doubt it. You know, it was, it was a really good match. I had a lot of fun with it, but I would be lying if I said I didn't expect a little bit more. You know, I was hoping that it would be the show-stealing match, mm. but I don't think it quite managed to, you know jump beyond its kind of spot in the card or its division in the same way see the hardcore match did if this match was on smackdown we'd be raving about it i think but yes. when it comes to pay-per-view it's like mm, just a little more maybe five, I will... five more minutes this could have been a classic I yes think. i will say though it's nice that the european title gets defended in a match of this kind of caliber at least like that, that, yeah. that belt has been a joke for a good while now and it's nice to get a little rub from this kind of action and this one weird to think of a time where we are now going into the summer where it happens a hell of a lot more more where we're having our tag teams but we're pushing individuals in those tag teams but mm. the you know, that's like a, again that's a quite a modern thing i see yeah. that in an AEW show all the time because there's so many teams and so many groups and people will be like right he's going to go off and do his own thing now for this match mm -hmm. but it still is like you know for a company if you were trying to think now a, a modern WWE tag team like the Alpha Academy or like the Street Profits or something or the, you know even the Usos if they tried and stick them one of them out on their own it would still be like oh that's a bit What's weird. What's the story here then? Yeah and you just kind yeah. of think inevitably they're coming back together but I do remember as a kid a real exciting thing is that we were all going yeah Edge and Chris you know, I was psyched going oh, Christian but it was yeah. like yeah Matt and Jeff and Edge you know yeah. they're all going to become big stars and uh, maybe Christian too. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're doing it here you know and yeah. I'm not sure if it's because of the TLC matches or because all four of these guys are quite marketable in their own ways I think a big part of it is like we need baby faces and yeah. so we're, we're, we're like trying to keep as many things on the heater as possible you've got Benoit Jericho Matt Jeff we're trying to try out all these different guys and hopefully get someone up to a level to replace the likes of Rock and Austin it's cool because you know these are people who've been on the roster for ages mm. but I'll tell you some of them early Smackdown crawls I was bored to fucking tears if I saw the Hardy Boys and Edgy Christian one Back more time in. I would have fucking turned off the show yeah. like, and cancelled the goddamn podcast <laughs> but like it's cool to see that 
these are guys who've been here for a while and they're taking a bit of a chance. And yeah. with the benefit of hindsight, you know, for most of them, it does go somewhere. You yes. know, another angle of Shane McMahon. I suppose we're going to show again. us the fucking rhyme as well. Play the rhyme with picture in picture at the same time. <laughs> you know? If you will, Paul, you could say that that sort of structure there is like a like a beanstalk of sorts. It was a happy ending. <laughs> Coming up next, all the titles on the line. It's the main event of the house show. Oh, <laughs> literally. This has got big UK pay-per-view vibes, hasn't it? Two-man power trip. Brothers of Destruction, video package, take us away, sell me on the big main event. Stone Cold Steve Austin will do anything to become the WWF Champion. Love this. 
so I thought they did a great job with this package. Yep. I thought the music, the actually took a time to say, look, it's not just big names in a big match. The two man power trip. Now forget about Steve Austin turning heel and Triple H being a rotter. There's something about these two guys being together and they're just bringing out the worst, most heinous sides of each man's mm-hmm. personality. And they're like, we'll decide when enough is enough. They like kind of don't even know. And it's annoying when we have these fucking moments of them being hideous and vicious and cruel and just like generally not enjoyable to watch. Unfortunately, no. that, is, that is the main reality of it. Yeah. It's fucking hard to watch. It's not fun to watch. And I kind of feel like, all right, I get it. You can't be like crazy, baddie, cowards, you know, Steve Austin hugging in presence. And Triple H has never really been a goofy heel ever, really. He's never been cool for that. But I feel like there's these moments we see in the package where they give us that energy. It's like, we'll tell you when it's enough. And Austin's just looking mad. And that does not gel with the fucking unshaven yawning bollocks we've seen from these lads earlier tonight and it's, it's patently obvious why in the package here is because those good bits you're talking about the energy they bring it's always in the ring in front of the crowd yeah which is like okay so that's what works so why do they keep insisting every week on showing us them backstage sat in a room together being like well yeah i think i'd I'd like a coffee as well, actually. Yeah, give me a goddamn coffee. Like, it's so fucking quiet and sleepy. But when they're in the ring, they're either doing something hideous or they're shouting about how they like doing hideous things. You know it's what way better. You know what I think it is? And it's in the few times where I will say the world building and you know the sense of place that we often get in SmackDown and Raw during this time that we're such big fans of, I think it's working against us because since this show started in 1999, when you and I first started doing SmackDown and Crawl, Everyone was backstage. DX yeah. were backstage. Then they were in their bus. Yeah. Then the Frigime were in their special base. Foley backstage. You know, everyone had yeah. their little zone. So it's like, if you're the top heels, we have to cut back to you in your little space. And I think it would have really worked well for Heel Heat and a change of pace if they were like, guess what? Vince McMahon says we can't have cameras in their Not space. Allowed. Not yeah. allowed. And you'll have like Kevin Kelly being like, what am I going to do? I can't even get in. Can't uh-huh. get a word in edgeways. And he'd save the chat and the moments for in the ring then. Mm-hmm. But like every backstage segment I see, it's like, like honestly, if you tuned into SmackDown and you didn't see Austin in a while and you saw some of these backstage segments or him here tonight in these backstage segments, it's like, it's just not fun is the problem. It, it feels like he's going to take his ball and go home now. Like he looks <laughs> genuinely fed up with creative. I don't think... He- they have it figured out no not at all and that shows you that they clearly just like went into this without a plan because he hasn't i you know he hasn't got a character that's no. what it mainly is like he's, he's a baddie and um, that's it how many matches have we had with him we've had maybe one or two matches with him since wrestlemania if smackdown that, yeah. you know uh we got denied of course the two-man power trip versus kai and tai oh fucking still mad about that baby here a little side question did you pick up on the random evil laugh they cut into their promo oh yeah they tried yeah, fucking minutes. undertaker are doing the kind tie thing right yeah but then they cut it and it's going <laughs> oh yeah proper n64 soundbite oh, like <laughs> that's the dark man from no mercy <laughs> which is also I make that same laugh when I've eaten a very big dinner that's uh, true it's game over in 64 I've had a nice meal whoopsie doodle whoopsie daisy when Triple H comes out they play here comes the money over it time to burn the money oh. and then while that's playing like the graphic comes up for like the WWF title intercontinental title tag team title it's literally like the game has glitched or something <laughs> I see why you're doing it 
And there's something to be said for having, you know, a tag team that's also got two fucking killer singles guys who could be a main event, a tag division. Main, you could, main event could be a tag match. It could be, yeah. you know, Austin, maybe if he needs a, a night off, you can have Triple H with him in a tag or whatever it is. You know, there's lots to do to keep it, yeah. be it hot and all that. But it does just feel like not a main event match. Nah. You know, it is a bit, particularly if you've not been watching the week to week, you're like, oh, fuck this. I'll just tune in and see. I'll get the pay-per-view and I'll see what they're up to. You'd be like, what? It hasn't got the sizzle that you need for a main event match. And I I was genuinely looking forward to this because with all my gripes I have for two-man power trip. I'm just excited to see what Austin will fucking do. That's it. You know? I'm like, okay. but what, What's Steve Austin and I going to get? All issues aside, let's see how they work as a tag team. Let's see what a tag team match is like when Stone Cold and Triple H are working together. That's That in itself was the main selling point of this match to me. I thought you'd be all over the fact that, you know, Kane is in this match. Don't get me wrong. with the arm. Just as jazzed, because this is my favourite Kane and Undertaker right here. This is them at their peak, in my opinion. So I'm just as jazzed that they're the opponent. But the thing that got me excited to see this was the sheer curiosity of, like, what is two-man power trip like as a tag team? This is the part where you sell me on this whole idea. We are told at the start that Triple H is on the cusp of becoming only the second man ever to be a Grand Slam champion yeah. in the WWF. The other man being Shawn Michaels, who can't be with us here tonight. There was one line from JR where it's like, all right, you got me here, right in the fucking yeah. fields. Let me tell you something, Paul. That man, Triple H, he broke my arm. But that man, Stone Cold Steve Austin, damn near broke my heart. Oh, Jim. Oh, Jim, baby. Oh, no. Come on. Now, the question I had was like yourself. What's it going to be like when these two guys step into the ring and they're, they have a tag match? They're evil, they're vicious, they're nasty, let's see. And they're against a force of nature, the Brothers of Destruction, who have been put over, well strong, they've broken up right to censor, yep. they have been on an absolute tear, smashing people, really entertaining in their individually and collectively, and I think a lot of that needs to be said, Adam, comes from that buff of Kane and that hardcore division, yep. and a lot of that fun, I think, that was brought into what has often been before and after this, a bit of a dry act. Mm-hmm. Also, an act that I'm pretty sure any time we talked about them in season three, the words no and selling came into it. Uh, <laughs> and I tell you what, folks, this is the first time and possibly only time ever that there's a Brothers of Destruction tag team match and there's psychology. Yeah. Because Undertaker keeps going to Kane going, oh boy, that arm of yours is all banged up mm-hmm. and jacked off. You gotta let me in the ring. And Kane is like, Dad, I'm so angry. I wanna kill the Brothers of Destruction. Kane is so incensed at what they've done. They've, you know, concertoed his arm. They've, yep. you know, they've fucked him up. They have taken titles from them. They have taken everything from these guys. And Kane just want to get his hands on That's them. it. The kind of selling he's been doing is not just that he's injured, but he's got this unbridled rage that he's like, I can't believe you fucking hurt my arm. I'm going to destroy you for this. And you have times then when Taker is like, he's been worked over. And he's like, I want to make the tag. He's like, no shit, I'm, I, can't. I can't. Kane's like, why? Yeah. And that is the highlight of this match. And I'll tell you right now, I have looked at loads of aspects of, of Steve Austin's career, probably more than any other wrestler I can think of. And I just saw one thing with him in Triple H. I don't know if you are familiar with it or not, but it was the Hollywood Blondes playbook they had here. Him and Brian Pillman together in WCW yep. as the cowardly tag team heels yep. who often what would happen is they get a bit of offense, they roll out, hugging, tapping on the bottom, whispering yep. each other's ears, you know, taking one punch and running for the hills. And that's what the two-man power trip do here. And like, I'm not sure if that's fair of me to be like, oh, I don't like it because it's them doing this other thing. But like, 
Austin, you know, hugging Triple H and tapping him on the bottom. Oh, I hate it. it. It was like, it just was like they were doing goofy house show It doesn't gimmicks. make sense. It doesn't make any sense And Austin's characters. on hands and knees. No, please, yeah. please, no. Like, he's crawling away on his knees like yeah. Eddie and Ric Flair. And it's what, like, what who's this characters? guy? What was it? Like, maybe in six months' time when he's a psycho, yeah, that's, three-headed rattlesnake. That yeah. would add up with what we've been seeing on Not TV. This, this doesn't add up in the slightest. We've been seeing a guy that is, like, in the ring, extremely vicious, and he will fucking kill people, he'll kill non-wrestlers, he's smashing everyone with chairs and bragging about it. Backstage, he's really quiet, he's really tired. Oh no, tired. I got bopped on the on my face, ow, don't let me alone, help. What are you on about? Before they I even get in the ring... I expect him to go up and start doing the little, the old, like, taunts of the Hollywood Blondes. We, we like. get, like, a solid two minutes at the start where Triple H and Austin won't even get in the ring, and at one point, Austin goes over and gets something out of Triple H's eye for him, yeah, like, what yeah. are you doing? Again, that's the Hollywood Blondes, they would do that stuff in WCW, because, you know, WCW in the early 90s, they'd always play off in kind of the, the homoeroticism or whatever, would rile up the crowd or whatever, mm. You know, here we are 10 years later with an act that it it don't work for these two supposed I'm, killers. I'm just amazed this is what Austin wanted to do. Do you want Triple H as well, though? Yeah. The guy who was desperate to be put over serious before That's WrestleMania, it. he gets punched in the nose and he goes, and he runs out. The and Jim Ross fuck? is like, oh, it might be fatal because as we all know, he's got a big nose. All right. Like, right. Okay. The two guys who are like hugging each other are like, he's got a big nose. Like, what was this fucking Disney bollocks like? JR has said several times on his podcast as well, the only reason the Austin heel turn happened he knew and Vince knew this is probably a bad idea but Steve wants it and we kind of owe it to Steve the whole heel turn was what he wanted they said Triple H we kind of want you to be a face now to make up for it and Triple H said no I want to be a heel yeah, yeah. this is what both guys everyone's getting wanted. what they want right this is what they wanted to do this is the alleged win-win situation how <laughs> and if this is what you want to do then why aren't you acting like this on TV why are you just saving it for the pay-per-view what the fuck Jim Ross's history lesson here really did not help matters at all because he was like, it was one year ago where that man, Steve Austin, cost that man, Triple H, the WWF title. Don't, no. don't, <laughs> no, 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 don't. You're going to talk don't. about how he had him run over a minute don't. ago as well. Like, leave that. <laughs> Rikishi's gone at the moment, so let's yeah. just, you know, avoid that if at all possible. So yeah, Austin uh, at one point begs, like, starts asking them for like handshakes and like, mm. please, he literally goes, please forgive me, Undertaker. <laughs> no. Again, and Undertaker said no. <laughs> in, in the summer, blindfolded Steve Austin crying on the bridge with Kurt Angle. Yes, that character would be able to wrestle like this, and it would make sense. This doesn't make a lick of sense. <laughs> it was an unfortunate naming, and I don't for for reasons other than the obvious. I think it never was going to take off. But truly, Jim Ross was at his booger red best when he tried to give another fun tag team oh, name. God, what now? Well, these can't be the Wizards of the Wicked Woods. But they can be the Twin Towers of Doom. Oh, that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Yeah. Don't call them that, please. Two-man power trip. They take a powder and they just leave. <laughs> Come on. You know what, what was telling about this? In this match, Stephanie didn't know what to do with herself. Yeah. Because when they left, she was like, huh? Mm. yeah yeah Hunter you leave I would say through a lot of this act Stephanie hasn't known what to do with yeah. herself there's been times where she's been the highlight of the backstage segments being like bringing the energy and yeah, bringing yeah. the fun while these two fucking suck the wind out of the room it was another point in this match where the psychology that I was you know in theory enjoying did work against the actual match and the crowd suffered for it where Taker was building up the hot tag the crowd mm. like yeah 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 and then he stopped short again because he didn't want to tag Kane yeah and that just left the crowd I don't think the crowd got it. No, they were just like, what? 
Why, Why is the Undertaker tagging Kane? It's the hot tag. I think know? that maybe... And because, as well, don't forget... We don't even mentioned this. All the titles are on the line. So I think there'll be some part of you expecting there to be a thing where it's like, Kane will break up the pin and be like, I want to win the WWF title. Whose side is he on? Yeah, so I think that makes it even more confusing a match to try and understand what the psychology is here. Kane finally gets in and he runs wild. Oh. And big shout out to the big man for running wild with one arm, believably. Kane is one of the best ever when it comes to doing one arm selling. Oh yeah. He has been, week after week, been consistently excellent with wrestling with one arm i tell you the master of it of course was uh, cesaro johnny hungy is good at it as well but i always loved like the one man clear in the ring when mm. the world is against him and him doing the top rope clothesline then rolling through triple h yes. fucking throws him off the top and then jr goes one arm or not kane will not be denied fucking a baby peak kane and then we get of course after this is when they start working that arm viciously and it's so bad they make his bandage all out and yeah. smell yeah, it gets all dirty and this is it baby it's the main event one month after Wrestlemania give me them fucking rest holds yeah slow it down they slow it down but I was buying in spite of the mask I know people think it is actually really works against you you know the mask with the facial expressions but I think you know if the great tradition of Lucha Libre and the great well yeah, investment those people have you can find a way around it there's Absolutely. plenty of ways people aren't looking at your face if they're 100 seats back they want to see the body and Kane is great at giving you sympathy but in a way that doesn't like undermine him and the commentary are right there with him another fucking stellar line from Jim Ross Damn it, Paul! Kane may be a monster, but he's a human being too! Aww. Yes! These guys are on top form here. They are helping it. Undertaker, I don't know what happened, but he gets the old Ash Wednesday blade job where he's got the little smudge in the middle there. <laughs> he looks so shy. I think it was it was old stitches he had from WrestleMania. Just oh, got God, really? Popped open because it wasn't even a trickle. It was just like just he had accidentally eaten his burger too quickly. Yeah, a bit of sauce there. Kane worked over relentlessly. Triple H doing a lot of the heavy lifting. Austin takes, I'd say, three or four bumps in the, the, the main portion of this match. Yeah. He is hanging back for a lot of it. You get some weird miscommunication between Kane and Triple H. There's a couple of clunky moments. Mm. There's a bit where Kane goes to kick Triple H, Triple H catches the foot, and they're just like, uh, are you going to, are you going to, oh, sorry, did you want to go? Yeah, you go. And then, oh, it's really clunky and weird. All these guys are probably guilty of the fact, because, I mean, there's only one person who would change it, and they were in Saudi Arabia with a oh, ball yeah, Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah. But uh, these, <laughs> these ring generals don't necessarily work too well under pressure when things yeah. fall apart. Hey, at least no one's hair fell off tonight, folks. That's all we can say, you know. And they probably got paid a tenth of what they were really <laughs> earned, you know. Taker keeps milling about like he's player two and no mercy and doesn't want to yeah. wait for the tag, so he like runs all around the ring. Again, story making sense, psychology making sense, crowd are again, I think, being harmed more than helped yeah. with this. Triple H with the top roll, Bob drop, we see it all the time on SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> What were, you, what were you going for there, mate? I was going to jump off and do spaghetti legs. Were you? We got a goozle to Steve Austin. And then Stephanie McMahon up on the ring apron. And this was fucking weird. What the fuck is this? Right. What I thought would happen and what actually happened were so different. By the way, Earl Hebner, little baby Earl here, ain't had much storyline 
In the last six... Much? He's not any. I mean, he has been a player on SmackDown Crawl. He's been around, but it's not like Earl Hebner's been like an on-screen character and getting involved in shit. He has just been a referee. Now, Stephanie goes up in the apron. She's like, referee, na-na-na-na-na. Yeah. She's like just pointing at him. And uh-huh. Hebner goes, fuck you. Bump shoves her off the ring apron and she fucking flat back bumps right on the, on the ground. What the fuck? Yeah, and like... I was like, oh, just so, like, Stephanie could, like, you know, hold, like, what are they going to do? Like, she fell on her butt and be like, ow. She's just like, fuck. Yeah. It and looks, just, like, grimacing. It looks sore as fuck. I mean. It would have been worse. If it was 2011 TNA, you would have kissed her, probably. Uh, like, they'd take off a t-shirt and say, damn right I did. <laughs> Come here, baby. And then Madison <laughs> Ray and Angelina Love and the beautiful people were like, Earl, you're such a sex god. I can't believe your shirts are available oh, in the lobby god. for 17 Damn right I did. you really do that damn right he did listen to part two of the Jimmy Cordero's book report for a lot more Earl Hebner chat I'm ashamed of that like, <laughs> knowing that it's, it's not like this is an impossible thing you can do this but I feel like you would need to justify it with weeks of Stephanie <laughs> getting in Earl's fu- face he's just fucking I don't think her these two the have interacted in no. months like uh, him pushing Triple H okay they've that's a spot Triple H he likes yeah to yeah the, you do that the old Ric Flair spot from back Triple in the H day. is a wrestler and he's in the match Stephanie was maybe meant to fall to one leg or something but she just I don't fucking know. sailing it looked fucking grotesque and then <laughs> we get the hot scat to the Undertaker we baby get a, we get a double grunt of the night here back to back Triple H gets thrown into the corner and he makes a nice as he goes in <laughs> immediately followed by Undertaker I'm talking Street Fighter 2 turbo speed here he is fucking scatting to his heart's content like to the point where the ghost of the scat man would come and be like if you scat too much you know it's it's dark sided like, oh no you know he's, he's drinking a bit deeply from the font of scat here <laughs> it was hilarious and it brought a giddy energy that I really needed at the end of this match because yeah. when he got Triple H up for that last ride, he's like, like kind of two stepping around, and Jim Ross goes, Jesus Christ! The last ride. <laughs> that I I had to pause it because I was laughing so hard. Jesus, Jesus Christ! Now move yeah. over. Who's your daddy? And I know he's tried twenty or thirty times, Sly Adam, to give us a new fucking gimmick with the twin towers of doom and the wizards of wicked wood. But you can say Jesus Christ after every last I try. Would for love a- that. Jesus Christ! More commentators need to react to wrestling the way we do because that's how I would react to seeing a move like that. <laughs> fucking brilliant. But he's not the legal man, and the referee is bumped. For In comes sake. Steve Austin. Low blow to Taker, stunner to Kane, and then Stephanie eats a fucking big boot. What the fuck? She's barely been like, she's been in the background of all these scenes. Why are we getting this big, massive, like, yeah? Is it them kind of going, look, we've had a lot of women being beaten up on screen by the baddies, so we need to show some sort of equivalence. We'll, we'll beat up the baddie woman Like instead. the heel lady will get a no. few licks as well. Get- because by the way, Austin's got his fucking side set on Molly Holly next. She's yeah. going to be getting some fucking uh, serious physicality in, in upcoming weeks on Raw. I'm not looking forward to that at all. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure what the point of it is. Maybe that, but like, Stephanie's I- already taken a big bump, guys. I think it's more just panicking of like, uh, well, we know this angle isn't like, 
like quite where we want it to be and there's probably not going to be a lot in this match that'll make people pop what makes people pop stephanie getting hurt let's do that twice in this match yeah and you know what stephanie taking it twice in a match a serious bump or whatever that's fucking that show me that something's not right that's having it. vince mcmahon do two run-ins in one night yeah. and one run-in he's running with swinging a sledgehammer it feels kind of desperate doesn't it yeah there was big wwa vibes off the end of this one yeah. like just like ah send everyone i don't know send vince mcmahon with a sledgehammer swinging it at kane that's it we're doing something that is very creatively new and we haven't got ideas fleshed out for it at the same time as we're trying to figure out all this wcw shit and all the negotiations also the xfl is tanking right now there's like a million things going on but if like... you want to know anything at this point in 2001 you're like what's happened the world of wrestling is so much in flux the one thing you can be guaranteed of from watching this main event alone is that the mcmahon's will absolutely be at the center of whatever yeah. is to come in the next year or so because jesus christ vince less is more two could you imagine him like anyone doing two run-ins in one night like it feels like all that's oh, it, a no-no it, it happens but it does but it's, yeah. it's always like well re diminishing returns kane's arm and his head get hammered oh god the hammer to the head new tag team champions two-man power trip pose with all the gold there's a heat there but i would say it ain't the heat that we saw remotely close to on any of the weeks after WrestleMania. Nah. And when you've had this long to prepare your big project, because you've had five weeks, a good long build to be like, what do you want people to experience when they see the two-man power trip in a main event with established top-tier legend superstars like Undertaker and Kane? And it felt like they barely got through this match. Mm. And there were so many bells and whistles and gimmicks and this, that. You, know, you had story. Like, I'm not saying it's all bad. I think it's a good idea to go into main events with a bit of psychology and story. I was excited for, hey, how are these two guys going to work together? How's Kane's arm going to come into it? What's, what's all these you know unknown factors? How are they going to play out? But even if you've got fucking 10 good ideas don't give me 10 good ideas in one match guys mm. pick and choose and that shows to me a lack of confidence in the booking and further to your point from earlier it shows to me they're just trying to make people happy and that's a uncharacteristically wcw oh that's yeah. a terrible place to work they're fucking doing it here yeah. you tell me steve austin and triple h haven't got creative control after what we just saw all titles on the line in a fucking tag team match in the main event. Are you sure Bischoff's not in the writing room with you folks? Like, come on. That was crap. Yeah. I, I was let down. All the, all the highlights and all the real positivity I got from that match came from the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah, or maybe the, Triple H was trying hard at the end to fill in the gaps. Mm, maybe you want to see Triple H and Kane, which we're going to we're see. We're going to get that next month, yeah. Fucking, we are going to do the next pay-per-view, folks. Oh, for sure, yeah. And guess what, Adam, you told me what's coming couple of days after this show insurrection yeah baby we're gonna be doing insurrection as well so i mean in spite of that i am excited by the next few shows i would lie though if i say i'm not morbidly curious about the idea of steve austin main eventing as this character with no tag team to That's hold his it. hand like i'm more curious about that because this like i say going into this my main sort of pull was like I wonder how two-man power trip would work as a tag team. And now I'm like, oh, that's how they would work. Don't want to see any more of that, thanks. Let's get back to having them as... They can still be aligned, but not wrestle together. Let's have them be doing their own thing separately, please, because I was not a fan of this tag dynamic. I was convinced that we were going to get it between 
the SmackDowns from WrestleMania to now, it's like, oh, you're going to see now the kind of wheels falling off the card here, things not being like as they should. I know there were issues on those SmackDowns, as we've mentioned here mm-hmm. and on the, on the episodes of The Crawl, but man, if it didn't really surprise me that the pay-per-view... The main event. That's I thought it. that would have been the all safe the titles bet, like... on the line. They're definitely going to bring something good to this. And yeah. what they brought was fucking house show antics. Like... Well, Foley always said in his books, you know, the first two ones he was writing them around, you know, the the time of the Attitude Era and and around this period as well. And he always thought that WWF overdelivered on main events and underdelivered on the undercard. That's where WCW yes. and even ECW ran circles around them. When you look at the the likes of the Cruiserweight division and the big stars like Brett and DDP would float into the US title. You uh-huh. can always see the argument there for that. But I don't think I've ever seen a WWF show where that is flipped on its head where it's like, yeah, you've got a fucking lackluster main event here. In spite of all the star power and all the writing and all the ideas and all the long-term vision. And you've got a kick-ass undercard there. Yes. You know, that is not just exciting on the night... I don't rarely, am I watching pay-per-view undercard matches going, I can't wait to see how this pans out on TV. I'm excited mm-hmm. for SmackDowns going forward and those crawls coming forward on Patreon because of the stuff that we saw from Raven and Rhino mm-hmm. and from you know Matt and Christian and the two Chris's. So maybe we'll pivot, maybe we'll get more. I'm not like, this wasn't the death sentence, this pay-per-view, that I feared it could be at points. No. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a bit disappointed with Backlash 2001, Adam. For me, this was the death sentence of the two-man power trip. For the last few weeks of SmackDown, I've been sort of like, I'm curious and I'm hopeful that we can turn this around, but I'm not really liking where the two-man power trip's going. And this kind of sealed to me tonight that like, actually, yeah, this is a failed experiment. And it had all the potential to be something really cool and unique. But the delivery and the execution has been really fucking bad. I genuinely think as well you could take this show and transport it maybe seven to eight months in the future, just the card or whatever, and just compare it to what the other wrestling is like at the time mm. or the vibe is, and it would feel a lot better. I think a big thing that works against this pay-per-view is you can't stack this up with WrestleMania 17, No Way Out 2001, no. Royal Rumble 2001, no. Armageddon 2000, yeah. and fuck even Survivor Series 2000. Those are all shows that are so much better. And anytime you've got a pay-per-view that feels like it's ending a hot streak, yes. <laughs> a good vibe, baby. No. no, this isn't what you need at the end of somewhere. It's like, oh, we might actually like half our fan base by what we've done here. And then you gave a pay-per-view that's definitely not on the level of those other ones we've just mentioned. Yeah. So Backlash 01, still worth checking out. It was good. It yeah. was good. I, people, you got a match of the night. You I, got an MVP. Yeah, match of the night for me is going to be Rhino versus Raven. Same. I, yeah, I yeah. loved that match. It was yeah. so fucking good. And I think that like just on the pay-per-view as a whole, people are very harsh on it and very critical because this period of time, like you said, for all the reasons you mentioned earlier, people have really got a sour view of this period of time. And that main event sucked. Yeah. So I think people will look at this and be like, oh, it wasn't worth much. But honestly, the undercard and the midcard is so good. There's a lot of good wrestling on here. And I think it is still worth checking out. Definitely. On a show where we're like, oh, that Ultimate Submission match wasn't as good as we remembered. And the main event stank. It mm. says a lot of the quality of the rest of the show that it's still, you know, it still rises above those massive issues. Yeah. Have you got an MVP? MVP Adam? is more difficult. I've got a lot of busy people on this show tonight. That's it. And like the matches were all good. The wrestling was all good. But there was no one that was really like fuck that was a great performance i think i would I, be going with kane honestly yeah honestly I think I, really I'm, shown. I'm thinking kane just because of like i'm so constantly impressed by his incredible selling of the one arm and you like, know i would have done as well i you know it's another paper i've not watched since i was a kid i'd be a lot more excited to see taker and triple h the rematch 
and then Fuck Austin yeah, and Kane, and Austin oh! has that gimmick to work with. Oh god, baby, give G- me that! Give me that heel working on that arm for a whole match, and I would love to see how that would play out. Wouldn't you like you to know? see Undertaker versus Stone Cold Steve Austin one more time, Kevin? Maybe, maybe. I guess. I mean, if maybe if you're a good boy, at the peak of their career, they couldn't fucking pull a decent match out of their horses, and here we are in fucking 2001. I ain't holding out much hope at them. What did you think of this pay-per-view? Let us know in the comments below. And as always, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your audio, don't forget to leave us no rating or review or the best thing you can do is always spread a little bit of word of mouth. Hey, if you happen to be a backer over on our Patreon page, we're always like to hear from you guys now you think about our content. We get told very often that it's incredibly good value for $5 a month over on Patreon that we have 80-some episodes of SmackDown Crawl. We've got dozens of hours of the Bibliotech. We've got a whole bunch of video episodes. We've got Q&A episodes and all sorts of fun little side ventures and side series. We do a minimum of two pieces of content per month. If you're at a $5 level, you'll get three pieces of content a month. If you're at a $10 level, and you get access to all of our commentary tracks we used to plug way back in the day, you get access to a whole shed load of those for a one-off backing of $20, making yourself a ridiculous 200% saving on recommended retail price. Thank you everyone who supported us the whole way through on our Patreon. We absolutely love being able to provide you guys with regular content. It has been absolutely only possible because of our backers and Patreon. We like to be long form, uninterrupted, and we can just get down and have a proper chat and you can hear us and our thoughts. And we like that we're able to do that because of our backers over at patreon.com slash apodcast. So if you ever want to support the show and just give back a little bit for a one-off backing at $5, you can cancel whenever you want to, or selfishly, you just want to get access to a whole lot of content. So everyone who has backed us so far on the crawl, thank you so much. And it's because of you guys that we've gotten to this unprecedented point. We're at Backlash. And I'm very excited for what comes next. We're going to be continuing the crawl, as always, every single month over on the Patreon page. It's always a lot of fun. Adam, I always enjoy having a crawl with you as well. Me too. And we usually do the crawl once a month with a Bibliotech book report episode. Sometimes we do two crawls a month. It does mean that we won't be doing Judgment Day just for a little while yet. We need to get there on the crawl first. But we will be coming to you on the crawl with it. We will reach that point as well. And then we're into uncharted territories again because we're going to be revisiting all that time from season three. The 2001 invasion will be coming up on Smackdown Crawl. So Judgment Day is maybe a little while away yet on the crawl, but I mean... It's only one SmackDown episode, and then we are at Insurrection, I think, Adam, you and I are going to have to continue our tradition of looking at UK pay-per-views. Because it'll be... Obviously, this card tonight at Backlash was pretty much a fucking UK pay-per-view card (laughs) as it was. And we'll get it, but they're not going to send over JR and Paul. We're going to get Michael Cole and Taz commentating on it. Oh! Insurrection, a.k.a. Backlash, Backlash, coming to you soon. Well, until next time, where we're going to be looking at a little bit of a UK bonus slice of content. And don't forget, the end of season four, it'll be here before you know it as well, folks. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And me, Adam. Thanks to all the crawlers out there, and we'll see you next time on the Out of Chair Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>